Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Through the password, the hostages being held must be released. And then we've got a, and there's some principal agreement, there'll be a ceasefire while that takes place. Ramadan's coming up and there's been an agreement by the Israelis that they would not engage in activities during Ramadan as well. Specifically now, as we get towards uh, the Muslim holy month of, of Ramadan, which is going to begin on March 10th, you know, this this holy month is, is a month that's holy for killing Jews uh, traditionally. And we've seen it many, many times that in Ramadan, the amount of terrorism uh, just goes up and up. And, and why is that? In part because, you know, Muslims go into the mosques. And if you hear what the imams are saying in the mosques, that they, they are spewing you know, by ruin anti-Semitism in, in all of these mosques. And people go out uh, motivated and, and they're also they're fasting during the day and they get angry. And uh, this could happen. Breaking news update on the war between Israel and Hamas with President Biden suggesting that a deal for a truce, a temporary ceasefire, could come very soon. Listen. At least my, my, my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. We're not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday we'll have a ceasefire. The negotiations now that have gone on for weeks, varying levels of optimism over whether they would actually come through. And now this news from the president. To be clear, we don't have many more details or any more details other than what the president himself has said, like how long it could last, what it would look like. The Israeli minister of defense pledged that even if Israel does agree to a temporary ceasefire, it'll keep fighting until all the hostages are free. Republicans are preparing their final contests coming up uh, ahead of Super Tuesday. Michigan will hold its primaries for both parties ahead of an additional GOP nominating convention on Saturday. The former president won the South Carolina primary on Saturday, this past Saturday. The former president bested Nikki Haley by about 20 points in her home state. Haley, however, is not ending her campaign. She says she plans to continue through Super Tuesday, where she faces an uphill battle in the 15 states that will hold Republican primaries on March 8th. CBS News Detroit reporter Andres Gutierrez has been following the race in Michigan. It's been a busy round for you, Andres. What sets conservative Michigan voters apart from other early primary states. Here, looking at polls and speaking to Republican voters, it is no doubt that uh, President Trump, former President Trump will end up beating Nikki Haley during the primaries. RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel will step down on March 8th. We were expecting this. McDaniel released this statement, quote, It has been the honor and privilege of my life to serve the Republican National Committee for seven years as chairwoman to elect Republicans and grow our party. Earlier this month, I spoke with former President Trump about Ronna McDaniel and the RNC's money issues. And see, and he suggested back then that Ronna McDaniel was on her way out. The RNC doesn't seem to be so strong. I mean, the Democrats have all the money. Look at what we see. We've got the Democrats actually uh, with the money and, and uh, spending it. The RNC seeking credit lines. The RNC reported its lowest bank balance at the point in any year in 2016. Comerica says Michigan GOP defaulted on a loan of half a million dollars. So I have a lot of money. And the money that they get 
people are not looking at the RNC. They want they want changes. I, you have to understand. I have nothing to do with the RNC. I don't. I'm separate. How's Ron McDaniel doing? Uh, I think she did great when she ran Michigan for me. I think she did okay initially in the RNC. I would say right now uh, they'll probably be some changes made. We'll see what the committee members decide. Obviously, we have a pretty strong endorsement from who I would argue is the most important person in the Republican Party, Donald J. Trump, I believe our next president of the United States. Um, And, you know, it's it's interesting because you can't win elections. You cannot win, you know, as a Republican without the help of the RNC. And what I think people have seen in the past is that the campaign and the RNC are kind of two separate entities who work towards the same goal. And what Donald Trump wants to do is he wants to combine those teams. He wants to say enough of two separate things. We're all in, all together, going hard for November 5th. Because, I mean, Sid, we can all look around and say that this is a must-win election. We will not have a country on the other end of this if Joe Biden and the Democrats get their way. So... I think he picked the team he wants. We'll see what the committee members decide and how they vote. Well, Donald Trump is appealing his $454 million civil fraud judgment. The former president's lawyers filed a notice of appeal Monday. The appeal challenges the finding that Trump lied about his wealth as he grew his real estate empire. Trump's lawyers argue that Judge Arthur Engron committed errors of law and abused his discretion in his ruling against Trump his company, and its top executives. The appeal ensures that the legal fight over Trump's business practices will persist into the thick of the presidential election season. Manhattan's top prosecutor is asking a judge to prevent former President Donald Trump from intimidating witnesses ahead of his criminal trial related to his hush money payments to a former porn star. Trump's attorneys are calling this election interference. CBS's Scott McFarland reports. Less than a month from the start of the first ever criminal trial of a former president, the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, wants the defendant gag. Bragg has charged Donald Trump with making illegal hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels. He cited Trump's long-standing, perhaps singular, history of attacking people. And wants the former president barred from commenting about jurors, witnesses, court staff, and Bragg staff. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, a former FBI informant, Alexander Smirnov, accused of smearing Trump's likely 2024 rival, appeared in Los Angeles court with his hands shackled and wearing a prison jumpsuit. Federal Judge Otis Wright ordered him jailed pending trial, saying he's a risk to flee the country. Prosecutors made the request, arguing Smirnov has access to $6 million, dual citizenship in the U.S. and Israel and contacts with foreign intelligence agencies that could help him flee. Smirnoff's attorneys plan to appeal. It's our intention to seek relief uh, in the Ninth Circuit. He's charged with making false statements to FBI agents, including that executives from Ukrainian energy firm Burisma paid President Biden and his son Hunter $5 million each. President Biden said the impeachment probe should be dropped, given Smirnoff's indictment. He is lying, and it should be dropped, and it's just been a... What? It's been an outrageous effort from the beginning. But Republicans will plow ahead with their impeachment inquiry. They question Hunter Biden Wednesday in an all-day closed-door deposition. Blinded by the light, wrapped up like a douche, another owner in the night.
Start your Tuesday morning a little Manfred Man blinded by the light, which I'm about 99.99% sure was written by the great Bruce Springsteen and done by Bruce. But this version, Manfred Man blinded by the light, is my favorite at 6:11 on your Tuesday morning. A lot to get to today. A lot. It's going to be terrific. What a show this is going to be today. A lot of Trump. A lot of Trump. He's in Michigan. He have filed, uh, his attorneys have filed an appeal of notice yesterday in that ridiculous $454 million uh, civil uh, civil suit that he lost here in New York. You got this douchebag, jerk-off, racist Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, trying to gag my guy, Donald Trump. And he's about to lay the wood on Nikki Haley, as he's done in every state prior coming up today in the Michigan primary. So a lot of Donald Trump today. And the guy that uh, does the news on the station every morning, including his own very good show, 5 to 6 before me, Noam Layden, would agree that this is a, a very big Donald Trump day for Trump, good and bad, yes? Why would it be bad? Well, he uh, he had to file a notice of appeal yesterday. Oh, that's to, true. Yeah. To half a billion dollars. Yeah. And what about the, the gag order from the DA? Yeah, that's bad. Right, so there you go, good and bad. And, of course, uh, you did hear from his daughter-in-law, Lara Trump. You know, in the open, there were two different cuts that were from this show. One of them was Alex Trayman, JNS.org in Israel. After Joe Biden said last night on Seth Meyers that the Israelis are willing to kind of pull back during the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, you heard Alex Trayman unprovoked on this show last week say... Israelis are nervous about Ramadan because Muslims go to the mosques and the imams tell them how bad the Jews are, they're fasting, they're angry, and there's a long history of violence from the Palestinians during Ramadan. So how about that? And then you heard from Larry Trump right after you heard Maria Bartiromo talk to Donald Trump about Ronna McDaniel stepping down as chairwoman of the RNC coming up March the 8th. So you know... This is a big-time show when you've got the biggest news stories of the day. And we could add our very own interviews, again, today's case, Alex Trayman and Larry Trump, to further the story. That's a big deal, yes, no? If it is a big deal, yeah. Don't patronize me, you mother <laughs> effer. God, <laughs> you are funny. All right, so big, big day for Trump. What's the latest? Uh, polls open up in about 45 minutes in That's Michigan. Right. What, what's the latest there? Uh, you know, he's, it's going to be a runaway again. There's no, no sign that these polls are off and that the president will win big again. And then, of course, the questions will come, will Nikki Haley stay in the race? And it looks like she will through Super Tuesday. By Super Tuesday, there are 15 states in play. We've been over this. The polls, which Noam just talked about, have been very accurate. By the way, today, the last I saw, Trump 72, Haley 27. I mean, just absolutely embarrassing. Uh, Super Tuesday, 15 states in play, and uh, about 10 of those have Trump up over 60 points. 60. So this is a, a shellacking like you're very rarely going to see. But like you talked about yesterday, there is a percentage of folks that hate Donald Trump that are hoping and praying that he absolutely implodes or something legally stops him from running. And if that's going to be the case, 
then uh, Nikki Haley would be the one. So she's sticking around waiting for that. In the meantime, the Koch brothers, who have given her millions and millions of dollars, they bowed out yesterday after her home loss in her own state of South Carolina. So when a big donor like that says, no, thank you, you're starting to see the writing on the wall, Nikki. Go home, biatch. Enough of you. Right, Noam? Well, that the, they fought back about, against that, by the way, yesterday, saying that their individual donors gave them a million dollars last month. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Idiots. All right. So, uh, so she's in the game. She'll begin through Super Tuesday, and she will continue to suffer at this point. Whether It's not courageous. It's not, hey, I'm giving you another choice. It's, I'm just getting my ass kicked. Every single state. She has not even lost by single digits in any state. I mean, her best bet was New Hampshire because Democrats vote in that state. And she still lost by 11 points. Now moving forward, with winner take all, by the way, all the delegates, Donald Trump may have enough delegates, you know, over 1,200, to be the official nominee before April 1st. I mean, this is not a race. This is not a, a good effort by Nikki Haley. This is embarrassing. No? Yeah, well... That was the Trump strategy from day one. They wanted this thing wrapped up by March because they know some of these lawsuits are coming down the pike. And they didn't want the president to be on the primary ballot with voters going to the polls with him on trial. They're probably going to get that now. If these trials take place, it'll take place after he's already secured the nomination. Right. So the other big story, again, is uh, Joe Biden made his way to New York yesterday. I can't tell you, Norman Lewis, how many people texted me, DM me. They were furious trying to get back to Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island from the city yesterday afternoon. And because this imbecile was here doing an interview with Seth Meyers, a show that nobody watches, the late, 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 late show, we're obligated to bring it to you because that's my job, but no one watches that. And uh, so he's here yesterday afternoon doing this uh, this ridiculous interview, which, again, was uh, pretty, uh, you know, softball, okay? But uh, he did bring up the whole ceasefire point, And he thinks maybe, according to his advisors, maybe as early as Monday, there could be a ceasefire. That's all great. So I reached out to Trayman, who's in Jerusalem. He's right there. And I said, what are you hearing about this possible ceasefire? And his quote was, I'll believe it when I see it. Just so you know, the Israeli people, as much as they love the Goldbergs, Rachel and Hirsch, as much as they really want these hostages home, on a very anecdotal basis, the more Israelis I talk to, the less they're concerned about the hostages and the more they're concerned about the future of Israel. And they don't care what Joe Biden and or America has to say or do. So like Alex Trayman said, no, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, well, and I saw Hirsch Goldberg's dad, and I'm blanking on his name. He was on social media last night saying that he's happy to hear that maybe 40 hostages will be released in this ceasefire deal. That wouldn't happen for a couple of weeks. But he's, he was saying it's not enough, obviously. He wants everybody to be released. No, of course he does. And, and his son is there. And like I said to uh, Steve Bannon yesterday, I had a long conversation with Bannon late in the day because he's really concerned about Israel. He thinks America is doing such a poor job that Israel is really going to be in big trouble, big trouble. Ceasefires and pauses, this is not the way you do it. He's afraid that Bibi and the Israelis are going to lose focus because, again, at the risk of sounding insensitive, you do not, you do not sacrifice millions of Israelis and the future of this country for 80 people. 
You just don't do it. Not for 80 people. I love these hostages. I want them home. But you have to make a, a, a difficult choice. What's more important? 80, and you can't say they're both important because then it becomes impossible to win the war. How is BB supposed to beat these scumbags if he has to worry about 80 people? So Bannon is nervous. So am I. At the risk of sounding insensitive, there's much more at play here than these hostages. This is why Hamas did this. They knew it. They knew that the world would turn on Israel. They knew that America was looking for any excuse, especially this administration, to turn on Israel. So they took these hostages. But you do not put the the the, 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 the risk of, of millions of Israelis and, and the risk of, of the country getting really destroyed over 80 people. You don't do it, Noam. Just don't. Well, the Israeli leaders, at least publicly, will tell you they can do both. That well, they but, can but they can get rid of Hamas and they right. can get the hostages. Sure, home. they can. And if they do that, then guess what? Innocent Palestinians are going to die, and that's an issue for them too. I mean, what do you want these people to do in an effort to get the hostages out and win the war? Innocent Palestinians are going to die, and even that's an issue. I've never seen anything like this. I've been alive for almost 57 years. I've seen wars and wars and wars. I've never seen the whole world critical of how one country is fighting the war, ever. Not after World War II. We've been over this a million times. It's absolutely ridiculous, and people who are smart, like Bannon and me, are very concerned about the future of Israel because no one seems to care. Eighty people that are being held hostage right now, that's all Biden and this administration wants to talk about. Not the fact that they're fighting a war in the South, that Hezbollah can basically destroy Israel anytime they want in the north. They're fighting in Judea, Samaria. They're fighting everywhere. And what are we talking about? 80 people. At the risk of sounding insensitive, that's not how you win the war. And if you can do both, great, but you're going to kill some innocent people, then i got to hear that too. You understand what I'm saying, Noam? I think Bibi's the, in an impossible situation. Yeah, well, in the White House, it's easier for them to talk about the hostages being freed than it is the death toll in Gaza, which, you know, the left wing of the party is really pushing them, saying, hey, too many Palestinian civilians have been killed. So easier for the president to talk about getting the hostages out than something else. Yeah, exactly right. It is easy and cowardly, and that's why, again, folks like us are very worried, very worried about the future of Israel. Not to scam my buddy Yehuda Hanekman, who's probably listening right now in Jerusalem and Trayman and the big Israeli audience that we have now. How do I know that? Because tons of people have downloaded the free 77 WABC app from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv to Netanya. How do I know that? We keep track. And by the way, the numbers, the ratings came back for the week that was February 1st, which is a day that uh, we stopped doing live broadcasts from Israel, to February the 7th, and we had huge numbers. The station did well, but we had, specifically this show, had huge numbers. Not the week I was in Israel, but the week after when we were home. So we uh, we continue to be ratings monsters, sitting friends in the morning here in New York, in Israel, in Florida, from going in about uh, two weeks to see President Trump all across the world, Noam. 
We are a huge, huge deal. It is no surprise. I mean, I've worked in radio for a long time, and over those weeks that you were in Israel and post that, I can't even tell you. I had people coming up to me telling me that they had heard you from Israel and they had listened to all the shows. And after that, they hadn't heard of you before. They didn't know who you were. Or they weren't familiar with the show. Now they're hooked to the show. You're right about that. And I remember telling John and Chad and, and others upstairs on the fifth floor, what a home run this is going to be for WABC and the show. And uh, it didn't take a lot of convincing, but it took a little. <laughs> and, uh, and and now they all admit what you just said is right. I mean, they were in Florida last week, John, Margo, and Chad, two weeks ago. They were in London this morning, and uh, they were telling me that people were walking up to them in Florida, going they never really listened before, yeah. but but they're, they're hooked. So the Israel trip was a big deal. And now, of course, uh, the relationship with Donald Trump that this show now has, which will include a couple of Trump appearances coming up, over the next couple of weeks, only uh, furthers the popularity of this radio show. Plus, we've got great music, great content. We've got sports. We've got a heck of a lot of laughs every morning. We've got tremendous talent. Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, you know him, Layden. This is uh, this is it. In terms of a morning show in New York, this is far and away as good as it gets. Right, we're done with the uh, the first segment. Been a, a terrific start. Again, we got a great guest list coming up today. We are loaded. We'll start with the host of The Other Side of Midnight, my good buddy Frank Morano. He'll be here later on this hour. 7 o'clock hour, two great guests, Curtis Sliwa. Great job by Curtis Sliwa last night and my buddy Eric McManus's bar, Jameson's, on Beach 129th Street in my neighborhood with Tom Sullivan. We'll get to all those specifics coming up with Curtis. Brian Lieb also in the 7 o'clock hour. He wrote a big op-ed on how Jewish people are turning out to vote for Donald Trump. They love him. Also in the 8 o'clock hour, Arthur Idala and Moody Giuliani. We'll talk to Joe Beningo in the 9 o'clock hour and my good buddy Stephen Maglio, who's back performing at the Cutting Room coming up tomorrow night. Also a special thanks to my buddy Kevin Breslin. Him and his son Quinn drove me to the gym yesterday as I was waiting for the Q22 bus on my way to 137th Street and Rockway Beach Boulevard. Thank you, Kevin Breslin. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Off to a big start, folks. Tuesday morning with me, Sid, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
Journey Classic, only the young at 631 on your Tuesday morning. And something tells me the great Lou Rufino. I know it's not Steve Perry, the former lead singer. What a great voice he has. But somebody in Journey must be celebrating a birthday or a heavenly birthday. I'm making sure he's on this track, too. Only the young? Yeah, because they change around. But I think he is. They use this song, I've told you many, many times before, in the movie Vision Quest with Matthew Modine and Madonna. Madonna actually performed Crazy For You. She was a nobody. No one knew who she was. She was in a bar performing Crazy For You, and Modine walked in, and uh, she went on to become a superstar after this movie. That was, like, before her first record? And, uh, well, no, Crazy For You was out. I, oh, maybe it was coming out. I think it was. I think it was before, yeah. Okay. Before she made all those great movies with Sean Penn, you know. Okay. <laughs> Suddenly Susan, whatever the hell she did, I don't know. Yeah, she wrote the song too. Neil Schoen, it's that guy's birthday. Is it Schoen or Shane? Schoen. All right. Happy birthday, Neil Schoen. How old is Neil Schoen today? Seven oh. Seventy years old. Okay. Thank God you very much. Bless. Uh Todd Shapiro checks in. Todd's a big fan of the show. We love Todd. Thank you very much. So yesterday talking about music. Before you get to this great guest list today, once again, Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa, Brian Lee, Bart the Right Dollar, Rudy Giuliani, Joe Beningo, and more. So yesterday, late in the show, maybe at the very end of the show, you played an Eric Clapton song. What's, what song was that again, uh, Louis? I that? think it was in the big, early in the show, actually. Maybe it was. But it was when he was in the band Derek and the Dominoes. Yes, it was Derek and the Dominoes. You remember the song, Bell, though? Bell Bottom Blues. Very good. Bell Bottom Blues. So... I get a message from somebody on Instagram, Shavathan, I think is the person's name, and they're a pretty good fan. They, they uh, A lot of people DM me all the time, you know, some a lot throughout the day, a lot. But um, that's a Trump one for you. But uh, Thon sends me a message yesterday that I know you guys, well, you said you banned Roger Waters, which is very hard for me because you guys have to understand, I love Pink Floyd. I love them. Like five of my all-time favorite rock and roll songs are Pink Floyd. From Comfortably Numb to Wish You Were Here, Another Brick in the Wall, it goes on and on. But I can't play them because Roger Waters hates the Jews and he's a prick. So I get this message from uh, this person on Instagram that says, just so you know, Eric Clapton is not that far away from Roger Waters. And they sent me some news clipping, which I sent to you, Alec, which explains that during an interview back in, I guess, 16 or 17, Eric Clapton said flat out, I'm moving away from voting for the Democrat presidential nominee because they're pro-Israel. And then he did, he did a concert, a benefit concert, to raise money for, like, medical supplies in Gaza, and his guitar was the colors of the Palestinian flag. Bad. That's bad stuff. Well, he's all over the place, too, because if you remember a couple of years ago, he was big conspiracy vaccination guy, yeah. too. And he wouldn't he wouldn't play a concert if people had to wear masks. He wouldn't Sounds like that. Kyrie Irving to me a little right. bit. Hates right. Hates Jews, anti-vax. Well, anyway, I am. Uh, I hate to do this to you, Lewis, because uh, you do uh, play most of the music on this show. I pick a couple of songs in the morning, but you do the most of the music, and you're great. And I love almost everything you play. And I've always loved Eric. It's hard to argue. Eric Clapton, one of the greatest, maybe the greatest guitarist of all time. But as of this time this morning, 6.34, on this February morning, 
Eric Clapton is now banned from sitting friends in the morning. He joins Roger Waters. And any of you jerk-offs out there who will claim you're pro-Palestinian or anti-Israel, you will suffer the same fate. Now, I think Eric will be okay. He's got millions of dollars. (laughs) I don't think it's going to ruin his day if he does find out that I banned him. But he is banned from sitting friends in the morning. So. You know, he's, his, his musician friends are trying to figure out what's going on with him, too. Ah, whatever. But it still goes back to the vaccination. Yeah, but this, but this was, he made these comments about the Jews before the vaccinations. Because COVID was 2020, and he made these, uh, these uh, comments about the Jews in 2016. Right, I know. So he's been a, a, an idiot forever. I know, but I'm just trying to give you the whole picture. He was also, he, he wrote this um, thing about what is going on with the vaccination COVID with Van Morrison. Yeah. It's very crazy. It's like, mm-hmm. stop, st- what the F are we doing, or stop this. Mm-hmm. And Robert Cray, another blues guitarist. I love Robert Cray, yeah. Okay, he yeah. was looking at the lyrics to this. And he was, he's like, what is, what are you writing here? You're saying COVID is like slavery in these lyrics. Uh, I swear to God, what Clapton was. And he goes, are you sure you're good? And then he just backed away from their friendship. They're not friends anymore. I'm not friends with them anymore either, so. Yeah. Me and Robert Cray both have that in common. And he was, he was in a picture with, uh, with Governor Greg Abbott. Oh. And so, see, he goes all over the place. He's, he's weird. Yeah, I don't like him. Very sorry. weird. I know. I, I do it's... love the uh, the instrumental Layla. <laughs> okay, we're going to pick and choose. <laughs> right, it's going to be hard when the mob scenes not to play that. And, of course, Cocaine is a great song, too, but I have to figure it out. I don't know. Well, there'll be one person that'll really test you. <laughs> yeah, Eric is going to test me. No, but there's going to be there'll be somebody on the horizon. You think so? Oh, are you kidding? You can't, <laughs> you can't think of who it is? Oh, well, right. No, I can't. Who is it? <laughs> there's... There's a musician that'll test you. Is it Bono? Uh, oh, the, Bruce. It's got to be Bruce. Like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. He's a complete idiot. So if complete he, idiot. If he comes out in one of these things. If, oh, then it's all over. I'm going to see where you where you lie. You know, by the way, you know who I have not heard from talking about, uh, you know, Curtis is always talking about Adam Sandler. Enough of that already. You know who I've not heard from in this whole pro-Israel, anti-Israel deal? And last I checked, he's got a Jewish stepson. His Jewish stepson happens to be the birth child of the Nassau County executive, Bruce Blakeman. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? His, okay, give it to me. His stepson is Bruce Blakeman's son. He's an all-time, you talk about Eric Clapton, this guy, an all-timer. He's been married to at least, at least two Jewish women, and his stepson right now is Jewish because this guy married... Bruce Blakeman's ex-wife. Any idea? I have an idea. I don't know. I can't come with right. it. I'll, I'll give you a hint. Musician? Or, oh, big-time no. musician. Oh, big musician out in Long Island. He's out in Long Island. No. You want the hint? What are you talking about? Paul McCartney? Bang. Paul oh, McCartney. Really good Paul one. McCartney. No. Where the hell? He's got a Jewish stepson. He's been married to a couple of Jewish ladies. Where has Paul McCartney been on the pro-Israel stuff? Anybody hear anything from Paul McCartney? No. I've heard nothing. No. Nothing. Right. Well, you didn't. Well, you, you didn't hear from Eric Clapton for years about anything. Yeah. Well, his long. kid fell out the window. That was a horrible thing. Oh, okay. Horrible. Well, that I'm not talking he died. about that. Yes, that's yeah. news. Okay. He's <laughs> laughing back yeah, there. The kid died. He I mean. didn't make a decision. Okay, I'm going to start talking now because my kid died. Yeah. No, he. That's that was a, a tragedy that happened. I'm talking yeah. about. He's never gotten into political discussions. Well, he has before. the last six or seven years. That's what I'm. That's and what everything I mean. he says says to me, <laughs> stay away from him. So.
Uh, McCartney needs to start talking, too, or he's going to be uh, banned. Well, I can't ban the Beatles. I just can't do it. Got him all over the place. I think you, I think you, could, you could wait until they say something wrong. Right. Uh, right. You know, right. Rather than not saying anything right. at all. I mean, if Clapton says, I'm not voting <laughs> for this guy because he's pro-Israel, right. he's out. If you say nothing, you are guilty by omission. You right. are. But you can't remove all of those but, people from your music right. library gonna, or you won't be listening it. to any music I can't anymore. do it. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Morano's coming up and Joe Nolan with traffic right now. It is time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. <laughs> That'll be one crazy day, boy, if that happens. Let's see what, oh. what you do you're not going to be in good shape i'm gonna have to text even van zandt right now warn him <laughs> get the whole story in under 10 new york minutes One, download two, and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> wherever you get your podcast and get the max out of mini today's mini cast is from cats and cosby here john katsimatidis and rita cosby talk with ari fleischer i love ari about nikki haley and the 2024 campaign I think Nikki Haley is staying in for two reasons. One, she genuinely thinks Donald Trump cannot win, and she wants to stay there to give Republicans an option, an insurance policy, a plan B. Two, if, and this is a big if because her team is denying it, she wants to run on a no-labels ticket, the smart thing is you don't leave the playing field. You stay on until you switch gears and run on no-labels and announce it. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellie Carruther, bottom of the hour. Sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best-built boilers. An exciting night last night at the Garden with the Knicks pulling out the last-minute 113-111 to 111 victory over the lowly Detroit Pistons. Jalen Brunson missed a three-pointer, eventually got the ball back and passed it to Josh Hart for the go-ahead basket with just under three seconds remaining. In between, there were three turnovers and a missed foul call in one of the most chaotic and controversial possessions of the season thus far. Brunson had 35 points and 12 assists for the Knicks, but again kicked off one of the more wild and weird sequences of the season that led to an irate Pistons head coach, Monty Williams, following the game. Detroit chased down the rebound but threw it away, then appeared to recover when a Sir Thompson stole a pass by Dante DiVincenzo. Then Thompson lost the ball during a collision with DiVincenzo. Vincenzo along the sideline, and that's where the dispute lies. The Knicks came up with it, and uh, Brunson found hard under the basket for his layup while being fouled. But upon postgame review, referees determined that DiVincenzo fouled Thompson and never should have gotten the ball back. The absolute worst call of the season, quote, uh, Monty Williams said during his brief postgame remarks before storming out of the press room. A win is a win, though, for the Knicks. Much less exciting fashion. The Nets pulled out a rare victory on the road in Memphis last night. Beating the Grizzlies 111-86, Dennis Schroeder scored 18. Dorian Finney-Smith added 13-9 and rebounds, and the Nets delivered Kevin Ollie his first win as an NBA head coach. Cam Thomas had 14 points before leaving the game with about seven minutes remaining with a right ankle injury. Lonnie Walker added 13. In the NHL, Bo Horvat scored at just about the three-minute mark of overtime, his second OT winner against Dallas this season. And the Islanders beat the Stars 3-2 in Dallas last night. Ryan Pulak had a goal and an assist. And Kyle McLean also scored for the Isles in their second win in seven games. Elias Rokin stopped 30 shots in route to the victory. Looking ahead to tonight on the ice, the Devils return to action on the road in San Jose. Set to face off with the Sharks at 10.30 p.m. That's sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. 
on TV. <laughs> I'm begging to shut MSNBC off, by the way, Justin. How disinformation is sabotaging America. You right. You're part of it, Mika, you dumb biatch. You're all over that. But then you've got Klobuchar to the left on CNN talking about this um, dueling border visit coming up on Thursday. You folks may or may not know this, but both... The current president, Joe Biden, and the next president, my friend Donald Trump, will both be at the border coming up on Thursday. Hey, Noam, do we know, because when uh, Biden goes to the border, he goes, he thinks he's going to the border, he goes to, like, Dallas. Do we know if um, exactly where the, I know Trump goes to the uh, the dangerous parts. Do we know where these guys are going on Thursday? Uh, I know Trump is going to Eagle Pass right, at the same that's, time. That's a, that's the heavy one. Uh, I can find out for you. I'm not exactly sure where he's going in the U.S.-Mexico border, but I can figure it out. Well, please do that. Okay, thank you. Oh, Brownsville. He's going to Brownsville. Brooklyn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might be safer in Brownsville, Brooklyn, actually, but he he's going know. to Brownsville, Texas. Did you see the, uh, the video that Fox News showed this morning? You, you can't make this up. You know, we always joke around about how Joe Biden's always talking about his favorite ice cream. Even when he called into the Thanksgiving Day Parade this year, it was horrible on NBC. Joe Biden, his wife, the um, the lady who I believe should be put in prison for spousal abuse, she talked about uh, her husband loving ice cream. So there's a video yesterday, I swear to God, of Joe Biden eating a vanilla ice cream cone Talking about his upcoming visit, which happened with Seth Meyers. Yeah. yeah. Middle of the winter, having a vanilla ice cream cone, the president of the United States. The cut where he says that he's expecting a ceasefire next Monday. He was eating the ice cream cone. Not only was he eating the ice cream cone, <laughs> it, it looks like he's holding the, the ice cream cone up to his mouth like it's a like microphone. It's a microphone. <laughs> 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 it was a bizarre place it for It really Q&A. is a weird yeah. clip to watch. Yeah. Where it, it was is. that? Was that like serendipity or no, something? No, it was uh, Van Leeuwen. It's that ice cream place inside <laughs> Actually, uh, 30 very Rock. I know the place, yeah, yeah. Van Leeuwen. Sure. All right. Frank Morano does a tremendous job. He really does every overnight. He's the host of the other side of midnight. So he's kind enough this morning to hang up with either Bill Shatner or Dr. Sky and talk to me. Good morning, Frank. <laughs> Good morning, Sid. Uh, you know, I think that was chocolate chip ice cream that Biden had yesterday. It looked like vanilla, but uh, he's a longstanding chocolate chip ice cream person. And um uh, I'm pretty sure that was the flavor. Seriously, my man knows it all. I, you're probably yeah. right. I have no, I don't know, and I don't care. What I do care about is the cover of today's New York Newsday, which is one of the reasons why you're on. Which reads, "Redistricting map uh, dumped, didn't work. He uh, rejected, I should say, Dems dump 
newest map. Tell me about that, and more importantly, Frank Morano, tell me how it affects my party, the Republicans. Well, this is absolutely absurd. Now, every Republican should be furious about this, but uh, also you should be furious if you're a Democrat uh, or an independent or just someone that cares about good government. Because what the Democrats in the state legislature did yesterday is a total subversion of what New Yorkers voted for multiple times. Just a a quick, quick background on uh, the attempts to reform redistricting over the years. A lot of people had tried to Uh, and gerrymandering in this state. This was really the last uh, thing that Ed Koch worked on in public life before he passed away. And they came up with a very weak reform to redistricting. Now, basically, the way redistricting used to work in the state is the state Senate would draw their lines, the state assembly would draw their lines, and they'd kind of come up with a compromise on the uh, the congressional lines. Well, what they came up with in 2014, which the voters of New York State approved in a constitutional amendment was they said, let's have a bipartisan independent redistricting commission, five Republicans, five Democrats, totally bipartisan, uh, pick, draw these new maps, and the state legislature can vote down by a two-thirds majority, the bipartisan majority. Now, uh, of course, this was set up to fail, because you put five Democrats and five Republicans together, what do you think is going to happen? Exactly what happened happened two years ago. The Republicans and Democrats on this commission couldn't come up with a map. They couldn't agree. Democrats and Republicans shockingly said, all right, we can't come up with a map. Now, who does this advantage? When the Democrats have a supermajority in the state legislature, it advantages them. So they were fine with the Independent Redistricting Commission not coming up with a consensus because that allowed the Democratic state legislature to draw the maps to benefit Democrats. And that's what they did two years ago. But they went crazy. They went hog wild, basically trying to redistrict the Republicans into oblivion. So the Republicans, led by John Faso and Ed Ed Cox, they then filed in state Supreme Court a challenge to this, and the courts agreed. The courts agreed these are out of control, and this went all the way up to the Court of Appeals, and they had a special master redraw these lines, which pretty much everybody agrees were fair. And these are the lines we have now. Now, now uh, you remember the Sherry Lewis Lamb Chops play along song, the song that never ends. This is the redistricting process that never ends because once these lines were set two years ago, those should have been the lines for 10 years. But now, because the Democrats didn't feel these lines were as advantageous as they should be to the Democrats, they sued to start the entire process, which has been going on for years now, again. So this independent redistricting commission, totally by bipartisan met again and shockingly they came up with some very reasonable lines, almost exactly the lines as they are now. And they got nine out of the ten commissioners to agree. It's impossible to get a partisan commission of Democrats and Republicans to agree on anything, and yet they came up with an agreement, which is basically keeping the lines the way they are now. And it looked like that's what we were going to be done with, and we were going to have these lines for the next eight years, and finally this prolonged, agonizing redistricting process would come to an end 
But behind the scenes, apparently, the House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries was lobbying the state legislature and saying, no, 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 that is going to be way too fair to the Republicans, and it's not going to allow the Democrats to pick up the seats that we need in New York to take back the House. So yesterday, in a totally partisan vote, the Democrats rejected the Independent Redistricting Commission's proposals, even though they didn't really give much of an answer as to why they rejected them. And they are going to go forward with a blatant Mm. gerrymander, Mm. even though petitioning for these congressional races starts today. So you have people running for Congress all over the state of New York not knowing who to ask to sign their petitions today. (laughs) It's crazy. It is a crazy situation. And by the way, the lines that the Redistricting Commission came up with, they were not at all blatantly Republican. They were fair. I mean, the Molinaro district, the Michael Lawler district, a lot of districts around the state, these are districts that the Democrats could win. But that wasn't good enough. They have to go and essentially rig the system. They've already altered the Court of Appeals to make it more advantageous to their side. And this is this flies in the face of the constitutional amendment that uh, both parties passed and which the voters of New York uh, approved. It's really outrageous if you have any semblance of fair play. Yeah, Hakeem Jeffries is anything but fair, and it's uh, it's been a thorn in their side ever since 2022. You mentioned Molinaro, you mentioned Lawler, guys like the Esposito, and even George Santos on Long Island. They can't stand the fact those guys won, and they have spent the last couple of years making sure they can't win again. And uh, you must be right, that map must have been too fair, because they want to make sure that those types of guys can't win again. Talking about that, give me some of the races, not Trump-Biden, some of the local races you're looking forward to coming up this November. Well, a lot is going to depend on what these maps end up looking like, because if the maps stay as the redistricting commission drew them, then um, I, I don't see uh, Justin Brannon running for Congress against Nicole Maliotakis. But if they go with a full gerrymander to really go out of the way to make it a much more partisan advantage for the Democrats in the 11th district, which is my congressional district, then I can see uh, Justin Brannon running in that seat. Um, barring that, let's say uh, Brandon doesn't run then, uh, and the lines stay close to what they are now, then Maliotakis should win that race in a landslide. The race that uh, not a lot of people are talking about yet, but I think is going to get very competitive, is the first congressional district out there on uh, Long Island. This was Lee Zeldin's old congressional district. It was a purple district until Lee Zeldin really made it solid red. Nick Lalota won it, but he's going to face a potentially very tough challenge from uh, John Avlon. You might remember him. He was Rudy Giuliani's speechwriter. He's now a Democrat and is very much a centrist Democrat, which is kind of what they like out on Long Island. He's not one of these crazy progressives. So he's going to have a problem in the primary because he is running against some crazy progressives. But if he's able to win that primary, he could give Nick Lolota a run uh, for his money. Obviously, the race that, uh, that you've been commenting on, New York's third district, I don't know who the Republicans are going to settle on against Swazi. Uh, this fellow Greg Hatch uh, is talked about 
as the Republican candidate there. But uh, that's a race that is going to be competitive just because Trump is popular on Long Island now. So uh, unlike in the special election where Trump wasn't on the top of the ballot, you're going to have all sorts of people that really only care about the presidential race coming out to vote in that third congressional district. And obviously with the concerns about migrants and everything else, that is by uh, no means a, uh, a layup for Swazi. So that's going to be an interesting race. And the rest of these races really depends on, uh, on what the lines look like. Some are going to be competitive no matter what, like the Lawler seat, no matter what the lines look like, that'll be a competitive seat. But uh, otherwise, I think it uh, depends on what the lines look like. An interesting race is developing in Staten Island in Brooklyn where you have a, a race that was very, very competitive two years ago. The uh, incumbent, Jessica Scarcella-Spanton, and this was the old Diane Savino seat, she's going to be facing an energetic challenge from Marco Kepi, who's been endorsed by the Brooklyn Republican Party. I don't know what Staten Island is going to do there, but uh, Kepi's an energetic campaigner, and uh, I think he could uh, do very well. Uh, you've been, you did a great interview with Cara Castronova in the Senate race. I could certainly see her uh, either making a uh, very strong primary challenge to Sapra Cohn for Senate, or if she chooses to run for Congress uh, in that Swazi seat, I think she could potentially be very competitive there. Well, that all depends on what Cairo and King think, though, don't you? Uh, uh, they run it. They run the show. Hey, listen, that is a great, 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 great job this morning. Frank Morano, as always, loved having you on. Other side of Midnight's a great show. Love you. Thank you so much. Terrific job, Willie. Thank you, Sid. Appreciate it. You're doing a great job. Congratulations on the ratings uh, last month. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, that was a terrific segment. I mean, he breaks it down like nobody can. Like nobody can. Frank Morano, check him out, folks. 1 to 5 a.m. every weeknight, weekday morning. It is the other side of midnight. Thank you, Frank. That wraps up a great hour number one on this Tuesday morning. Big hour number two about to come your way. You know who's coming up next. The great one himself. Mark Levin's a great one. So is Curtis Sliwa. And we'll also talk to Brian Lieb. He's got a new op-ed out. He talks about how Jews, yes, my people, the Jewish people, are about to vote for Donald Trump in big numbers. Sliwa and Lieb coming up. Hour two, the Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. And informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Hello, people of Maui.
Riley Cool Classic at 712 on your Tuesday morning. When I was a kid, I thought it was Teenage Wasteland, but it is Bob O'Reilly. Thanks again to Frank Morano. Big show about to come your way, but I do have to start with this. So my beautiful wife, Danielle, is finally coming home from England today. She's been away for nine days with my daughter, Ava, in Europe, uh, college. She's coming home today. So, and uh, Curtis may or may not know this, but who joined my wife on that London trip? Donna Sullivan, who happens to be the lovely wife of my dear friend, Mike Sullivan. So it was Danielle, Donna, and Ava in London for the last uh, nine days. So um, me and Gabe have been going out for dinner every night alone because mommy's not home, you know. So we go to the same place almost every night. It's La Sorrentina. We love John Mazzola. We love Joseph. And it's kind of like when I walk in, it's like um, Tony Soprano walking into Artie Bucco's place. Same table, me and Gabe, the whole deal. Well, as we mentioned yesterday during the Curtis Sleevewood segment, right across the street from La Sorrentina, my buddy Eric McManus owns Jameson's Bar. And last night they had a two-hour dinner. I guess you can call it that. Maybe um, maybe Curtis has a better word for my dear friend Tom Sullivan, who happens to be the brother of the great Mike Sullivan. Thomas has run for office twice already before. He won the last time he got screwed by that biatch Stacey Pfeiffer Amato. She cheated. She is disgraceful. Anybody who likes Stacey Pfeiffer Amato is an enemy of mine. She cheated Tom Sullivan. So he's running again. So at this um, bar last night, Tom was there, Mike was there, the great Jackie Hunter, the lady who runs the Rockaway Republican Club. I love her, Mary Glynn. Uh, Tommy Trump showed up. He was uh, he was funny as always. You had um, Captain Henry and his wife Pamela. You had Jesse Burke, who runs the LaSalle Military Academy Alumni Association. And you had Curtis. And I was told by many, because I stopped in to say hello, but I left because Gabriel was across the street in the restaurant by himself. So I stopped in, took some pictures, shook some hands, did the whole thing. Curtis showed up about 20 minutes after I left, and I heard that Curtis uh, put on a speech that, quote-unquote, tore the house down. That's what they said, Curtis. You tore the house down. Let me tell you something. Uh, years ago, I used to drink Jameson straight. He used to love to try to knock it back with the Irish. Could never keep up with him. Then I had chronic Crohn's disease. I can't even look at liquor or I'm on the floor. But you said Jameson's. I, I said, no, no, Curtis, don't go there. Don't go there. But walking in to any location in which the Sullivan brothers are there, first in peace, first in war, is like a throwback. There's only two brothers there last night. There's seven of them, you know. Some of those other guys, Brian, the former cop. Uh, I think there was three. Danny, there were three? I think there was oh, three. So, oh, so Brian came two. Probably. You know, it's hard for yeah. me counting past four, but <laughs> yeah. I think there was three. But anyway, it's like Mr. Smith goes to Washington. If you ever wanted to see a modern-day Mr. Smith go to Washington, Tom Sullivan dressed, you know, in, in traditional political style, nicest guy you ever wanted to meet. I know Democrats, you know, I know a lot of Democrats in Queens say Tom Sullivan is the best politician they've ever met. And that's crossing over that Maginot divide. So that we're there, and I'm not just talking about getting him elected into the assembly. His seat that was stolen from him yep. by Fee Fi Fo Fum, uh, <laughs> Fight for Amato, and her mother, the wicked witch of the East. I'll get you, my little pretty Tom Sullivan. I'll steal this election for you. I'm the Queens County clerk. Don't mess with us. 
and we I talked shop with Tom Sullivan afterwards. I said, Tom, me and uh, uh, and Sid have committed ourselves. We've said the most important election is Trump Biden. The second most important election is the blood feud and vendetta to make you the assemblyman, the seat that you rightfully want. And I, I did the analytics with him. Guess what? I'm drafting you and Dove Hyken. Bayswater, right before you hit five towns, where Jews. all the Orthodox Jews, Jews. are. Yeah. They went for Stacey by 90%. Why? Only 10%. Well, because, you know, Democrats. Look, you, me, and Dove with Tom Sullivan are going to walk through there on a Sunday. I'm there. I'm, I will campaign with you and Dove and Tom. And let me just say this for folks who don't know everything about Tom Sullivan. Stacey Pfeiffer Amato, I'm not sure what she's ever done for anybody. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, Tom Sullivan served uh, very proudly and heroically in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Kuwait, and then just happened to be at the World Trade Center on 9-11 and literally dragged bodies out of the burning building. He saved lives that day. So take a look what Amato's done with her life compared to Tom Sullivan. How was it even a race? Well, this is a blood feud. This is a vendetta. But let me tell you something. I had a side reason for showing up because I knew you were going to be there with Gabe. And I said, I want to be able to speak to Gabe on the side when you're talking on the microphone. Because really? extricating you from a microphone, uh, you know, we need a crowbar. Excuse me? Hello, Kettle. I'm black. Excuse me. <laughs> I mean, I'm good for 20 minutes. You're good for 40. It would have given me enough time to speak to Gabe and said, you know, you and your mother, Gabe, couldn't be more hopelessly right. You know, your father, he's wasting his time on the number one station in the nation with the number one show. He needs to be a podcaster. Oh, here he goes. Like Rogan. Oh. He needs to put all of his energies into podcasting. And I'm saying to myself, what a schmuck, what a putz you are. My dentist has a podcast. My plumber has a podcast. They tell me, you got to listen to my podcast. I said, why? Oh, there's so many important things in my podcast. You think I'm going to live my life living, listening to podcasts? Let me tell everybody out there, because everybody has a podcast now. I got a podcast. And, and everybody thinks because Joe Rogan just got a quarter of a billion dollars. He did. He does very, very well. And guys like uh, Adam Carolla, he does well. Everybody thinks those guys do that. The truth is 99% of podcasters are a bunch of losers in their family's basement with their pants down at their knees, old Chinese food and 70s porn playing in the background. And their own families won't even <laughs> listen to their podcast. You know what? This is the equivalent of the 1980s. It was reminded me because the great Jerry Seinfeld appeared at the 92nd Street Y, Upper East Side. All the Hamas crazies were outside, right? Jerry walked through there like Moses parting the Red Sea. He did not take no guff from that. This is the number one, maybe the number one comedian of all time, right? And, and not that far removed, like Michael Rappaport, he is just back from Israel. Jerry spent eight days in Israel yes. not that long ago. But what happened to Adam Sandler? Oh, you, you get, stop you with Jews Sandler. give him a pass. God, he I'm, made millions on so hard. <laughs> the roughest, toughest IDF member of all time who came to New York City to wear light loafers, become a hairstylist, and try to snack on a Palestinian woman, right? Yes. Well, where's Adam Sandler? But you gave him a pass. I did, yes. So I, w I was going to say, back in the 80s, everybody wanted to do stand-up. There was a comedy club on every block. I even performed at one. I, I uh, lived on East 22nd in Quentin, 2216 Quentin Road. Not far, mind you, from Nostrand Avenue and Avenue R, where a guy named Adam Silverstein, better known as Andrew Dice Clay, grew up. 
So I did one night of amateur stand-up at a place called Pips in Cheapside exactly. Bay. Across the street from Lundy's and Randazzo's. Correct, exactly. Not far from Captain Walters as well. And people like Joan Rivers and David Brenner and others got their careers started right. there. And the, the height of the stand-up yeah, and comedy I, And boom. I failed miserably. Right, but myself. everybody thought they could do stand-up, open mic night. Then all of a sudden, the 90s, the comedy bust, right? Unless you were Eddie Murphy, Seinfeld, Ellen DeGeneres, nobody wanted to hear from you. This is the same thing. This is the period of the podcast boom. Everybody has a podcast. Oh, they can walk around. Millions of people listen to me. What are you, crazy? Stop are it. you taking drugs? Stop it. Where do you get your analytics from? I, 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 I hate to let him down, but I want Danielle to know upon her return from across the pond, I'm going to put in a call. I'm going to ask Daniel, how was your trip to the UK? You couldn't be more hopelessly right. I want you and Gabe to convince. I want you to convince Sid Rosemary, the number one yeah. radio host in America, to just do exclusively a podcast, and then I'll take over the morning right. show. I, mean, I you, won't even hesitate. You have a couple of opportunities to grab this show between the possibility of me doing a podcast, yeah, yeah. as you've talked about, the possibility of me moving to Hollywood, California. Oh, you could have been in the film yes. Epolito in Caracapa. Yes, or, or moving to Israel, being the mayor of Gush Etzion. Do Aliyah there. Please, do Aliyah. And I'm telling you, you're the king, King David there. In fact, when you go to the Red Sea... The hooties will even run out of your way. <laughs> Never mind Moses parting the Red Sea from Yul Brenner, right, and the Egyptians. But your wife is coming back from across the pond. I listened to you this morning. You know, you've gone too far. What do you mean? No. I understand Roger Waters of Pink Floyd. Yes. And the pink pig flying over your head. I understand you don't want to eat Hazarai pig anymore because, oh, now you're, oh, I'm an observant Jew. You know, I have Shabbat and all that. Okay? Wait a second. I did have roast pork fried rice a couple days ago. Yeah, and BLT. I saw that BLT <laughs> sandwich. So you start going on this riff about Eric Clapton. Yes. And I say to myself, way too much, Sid. If you had to apply this litmus test to everybody in Hollywood, you would almost never go to a movie. You might never go to a concert again or play songs that you grew up with. I'm speaking of the time that in London, in a little club, on the stage, was Eric Clapton, Peter Townsend, and Jimi Hendrix jamming because wow. everybody wanted to jam with Eric Clapton. And he didn't have this humongous ego like, no, I'm not going to go on the stage. Do you know when the Beatles were making Let It Be, the film, they had a, a falling out. George Harrison, you did a tribute to him earlier in the week. Uh, George Harrison left the set. It looked like it wasn't coming back. Lennon says to Paul McCartney, why don't we ask Clapton to replace George Harrison? The, Clapton and the Beatles, they love one another. Uh, Paul said, no, let me, let me convince George Harrison to come back, which he did. But they were going to put Clapton in. Clapton with Derek wow. and the Dominoes, right, does Layla. Layla was a song because he fell in love with George Harrison's wife. Never had sex with her. Never had sex with her. But he was so in love with her, and he knew he could never have her because he was friends with George Harrison. So that song is about Harrison's wife? Yes. I never knew that. Yes. Wow. Layla. Oh, it's a great song. Yeah, Lou, Lou actually just shook his oh, head oh, yes. Oh, and by the way, Lou, Lou must lobby you. You know who he is influenced by? Eric Clapton publicly said, he came out on the stage, he goes, my favorite group is the band. You got to listen to music from Big Pink, 1968. They're more concerned with songs and singing than anything else. 
I love the band, and you know that. Oh, that's that's one way Lou Rufino's no, all-time favorite group. Him and Levon Helm were actually really, really good. They smoked weed together. Everybody loved Eric Clapton. He's in the Yardbirds first. They do yeah. the song for your love, commercial success. Yeah, good song. But he says to his bandmates, a little too commercial for me. But I tell you what, I'm not going to leave you high and dry. Yeah. How would you like Jimmy Page or Jeff Beck? He didn't just leave like a lot of you know these stars do. Jeff, Jimmy Page, whoever went on with Led Zeppelin, Jeff Beck. I mean, come on. And then Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Oof. Baker, Stevie Winwood in traffic, yeah, yeah, Derek in the Dominoes. It's, it's a great resume, and uh, you've done a tremendous job. Well, of, what are uh, you doing? You banned him? He's dead to me. Wait, wait, now, let me give you his he, politics. He's absolutely dead to let me. Let me give you his politics, because he's taking a beating for this. Yeah. Opposed to the overwhelming immigration in England, right? Opposed to the overwhelming immigration, he could be like you here in the United States. Pro-fox hunting that breaks my wife's heart, Nancy breaks her heart. Pro-fox hunting. And yes, he did do the video uh, about the uh, children in Gaza and the destruction. But he's not alone in that. You know a lot of the Trendoids, Freakasoids, and Jet Setters and Hollyweird and in rock and roll have done that. Well, give me all their names, and they will suffer the same fate as Roger Waters and Eric Clapton. They're banned. They're dead to Wait me. Wait a second. I don't care how good Eric Clapton You're... is. He's dead to Hold me. Hold on. Wrong way, Lou Rafino. you got to do an intervention. Hold on a second. You're going to ban White Room from Cream? Yes. For your love from the Yardbirds? Yes. Tears in heaven about his child falling out of the window? I shot the sheriff with Bob Marley on the cover. What is wrong with you? You've lost your mind, Sid. Please. We'll have a, we'll have a meeting about this, okay? Yeah, you got to. Hey, Broadway yeah. Lou Rufino, he's the best in choosing music. I okay. couldn't believe. And then I have to listen to that Mama Lou Frank Morano go on and on about people I don't even know it. I can't even find you on know, a map. It's, it's funny. You say people you don't know you couldn't find on a map, yet you get involved in almost all of these races. You were trying to sell me a guy last year that no one's ever heard of and still having George something or other running George against George Tabernack. <laughs> yeah. He lost. Yeah. Of course he lost. He lost to Mike's sister. But you were trying to sell me that guy. No one's ever heard of him. You get involved in all these wait, ridiculous. Wait, wait, wait. Then you were trying to sell me the other guy, the Jew in uh, in uh, Bay Ridge, who got his ass kicked. Harry by, Kagan. By the, yes, by Justin Scumbag. All right, Friday. so let's let's go to the disgraziata de Shanda yesterday. You made my wife Nancy cry. Oh, the owl? Nancy and I are sitting shiver. For the I'm loss of Flacco the Owl. I'm begging you. I'm begging you to Out stop. Out of everybody who is laughing like a jackal and hyena to you, the <laughs> court jester, which Justin Ellick, his voice more than ever. I got my revenge on Justin Hellick. Well, Jack he's not Hellick. here right now. He's out buying bagels. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He loves Philadelphia, right? He loves the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, he does. They yes. posted a demand. They want teachers in the Philadelphia public school system. So I actually filled out, because I got from HR his jacket, I filled out an application, and I said that he loved Tony Danza, who played that English teacher in that reality show in Northeast High School in Philly, a 10th grade teacher. I'm going to get him an apartment in Kensington and Somerset, which is the worst dope fiend area in the world, <laughs> yeah. under the Market Frankfurt Line station. <laughs> a zombie from Dawn of the Dead. I am going to fix Justin Ellick. I'm coming after you guys one by one by one. Why? Because what? of the owl? We have done a memorial oh, to no, Flacco. Uh, yes. Please. please. Uh, Flacco <laughs> represents freedom. Freedom. You know, you realize... 
that you, and you happen to be one of the greats, and you care about everybody, but you, sorry to disappoint your lovely wife, Nancy, who I love very much. She's coming in today. You'll probably meet her. You know, she's on the Rip and Read Tuesday and Thursday. She's great. But you realize that you've talked less about Lakin Riley this week than you have the stupid owl. This girl was murdered in Georgia, a 20-year-old beautiful nursing student, and you've mentioned her name less on your show than the dumb owl. No, you know that, right? you're absolutely wrong. If you listen to the Rip and Read yesterday, when you were too busy going to the gym, li- lifting dumbbells, getting a ride from Kevin Breslin and his son in the Irish Riviera, did you didn't listen to the Rip and Read? Well, you're good on a podcast from 12 to 1, Monday through Fridays. Now, I am appealing to Chad Lopez, a recount of the re- ratings last week. When you took one hour of Brian Kilmeade show, who is away, 10 to 11, yes. and I had the 11 to 12, yeah. I conceded to you because I was confronted by Noam Laden yeah. with information that sullied my stellar <laughs> reputation yeah. that on St. Valentine's Day, I had given my lovely wife, Nancy, the keeper, the best uh, thing that ever happened to me in the world. Norwegian skibies, scabies. <laughs> yeah. And he broadcast that. And I had to go, no mas, no mas, because I conceded. But I still want to look at the analytics. I looked at him once. You beat me fair and square. But I think it's safe to say here at WABC, Sid Rosenberg leads, and I'm right behind him. And the rest of the field, let me just say, they can't even see our arses. That's they can't true. even see our arses. We're ready to lap them. That's true. We're ready to laugh. That's hundred percent true. So, but I want you to move every person in their life. <laughs> yeah. The seven-year itch, right? It's usually with your wife. That's when you get a divorce. You have gone beyond seven years in the morning. You just celebrated your eighth anniversary. It's time to move on, Sid. Forget Rogan. Forget all these big podcasters making millions of dollars. As I would have told Gabe last night, if you would have waited around. Gabe, Danielle, you're absolutely correct. Sid could be rolling in the moolah shmoolah. The, the, the lucra, right? I mean, he could be uh, making mad money, mad money as a podcaster. It, it was so, it was so great to work with you for so many years, Sid Rosenberg. But I don't want to hold you back. The world needs a bigger podcaster than Rogan, and that's you. But you can't do both. You can only do one. And I will take over your place for like the ninth time I'll be coming back to mornings. God only knows in what capacity. But I will carry the banner of WABC on and will always remember you. I'll memorialize you. I'll commemorate you. And I'll say that dirty rat bastard. He didn't appreciate being here at the number one station in the nation by day. The number one station around the world at night. So, haha, I'm here. And how do I get your podcast to get Sid Rosenberg? How do I get your podcast? Are you a schmuck? Are you a putz? Are you a pisser? Are you a schmendrick? This is the best place to be, Sid. Our dysfunctional family here at WABC.
if you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Off to a great start on this Tuesday morning. Both Frank Morano and Curtis Slee were great. Still to come, Brian Lee, Arthur Dollar, Rudy Giuliani, Joe Beningo. You know, I um, I mentioned last week when Wendy Williams, my friend Wendy, was diagnosed with aphasia and dementia, how upset I was. It's like I told you guys back in 2020, I guess. Was it 21? I don't remember. Maybe I've got dementia. But um, I became very close with Wendy to the point where she would be texting me a, a lot of mornings between 5.30 and 6 a.m. and even had me on the show. You have to understand, she speaks to a very liberal audience, 99% women, a lot of them African-American. How does a white conservative radio host end up on her TV show? And the answer is, she just liked me. You know, she admitted that she listened to this show every day, even though she agreed with nothing. And I loved her for that. I wish more people were like that. So then it turns out that after this doctor report came out last week, her documentary ended up on television, something I've been hearing about for years. What is uh, the name, Gnome, of this documentary? Um, Do you know, is it... Yeah, what is the name of it? Where is Wendy Williams? Where is Wendy Williams? Very good. And where can you see it, Justin? It's Lifetime. Lifetime. Yeah. It's on Lifetime? Yeah. Is it on demand, or how do you get Yeah, you can watch. I think you can watch the whole thing at Have this you point. seen it? Yeah, yeah, I have. Is it depressing? Oh, it's awful. It's Is really it awful. Is it awful because it's bad or because it's depressing? No, it's just depressing that everybody around her are enablers, and it looks like they're just trying to cash in on her celebrity, and she's in terrible shape. I mean, she's just downing entire bottles of booze, and they show she's lying in bed. Oh, they show everything. Drugs? No drugs that okay. I've seen so far. Right. Here's uh, in fact, here's one part that uh, Noam got for us this morning. This is where she forgets her own brother's name. Lewis, this is uh, from the documentary Where's Wendy? Wendy Williams, cut number four. So, Kevin, I'm so glad you're here. Really? Really? Yes. I know you are. I couldn't wait to see you. The problem was Kevin was her scumbag husband, 
her brother's name was Tommy, but she referred to Tommy as Kevin. In this cut, she says, uh, and remember, I was on her show in June. I believe I was on her second-to-last show. Then she was taking a summer hiatus, going to visit her son down in Miami, and she thought she'd be back in September. In fact, she even said to me, when I get back in September, Sid, I want you on one of my very first shows. Here's her talking about her return, which never happened. Wendy Williams, cut number five. September. What about September? I go back on TV. So now you're saying September is when you're going to be, like, going back, going back? That's according to... To my apartment. No, you're saying that you said the show. Aye, aye, aye. The show works. This is bad. What is the point? Why even show that? It's not nice. It's... I don't understand what families are doing. It's a money grab. Well, of course, it's a, mo- it's a money grab. By the grab, family. But, but, but they're embarrassing her. It's terrible. Anybody, she was good to all of them. Yeah. Well, is there anybody right here who would just say, all right, kids, do whatever you want with my ridiculously decomposing mind body? You just no. do whatever, as long as you can no. cash in. Well, so that, that's your legacy? Well, that's what Joe Biden's doing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I you're mean, right. Joe's every bit as bad as Wendy. <laughs> Are you kidding? Of course you're right. Yeah, guy's eating ice cream talking about a ceasefire. Look like a complete moron. Here is uh, Wendy Williams introducing me on the show a couple of years ago. This is cut number one. Joining us is the host, and I happen to listen to this show every morning. And to the point of disgust. So, so because I don't agree with everything he says, but there's something charmingly insecure, really smart, and very lovable about Sidney Rosenberg. WABC Radio. No, very few people call me Sidney. My mother calls me Sidney Ferris. Most people just call me Sid. I was, I love when she called me Sidney Rosenberg. One more, and then we'll get to Brian Lieb. This is the point on the show where she's got me on this segment called Hot Topics. You've heard this before, I know. On this segment called Hot Topics, there's two other ladies with me. They're very popular in the Wendy Williams universe. I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. <laughs> but uh, here, Wendy, uh, well, they claim at least she's hitting on me. Here's Wendy Williams, cut number two. Every time you talk, though... It's like, because I'm so used to hearing you, you realize that your voice and your delivery is hypnotizing. Is it really? Oh, yeah. oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, 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 yes. oh, oh Wendy. Radio VR is so yeah. great. Thank you. It's so good. So Wendy's got a ring on. I'm not flirting with him. I'm oh. just telling him that I'm a fan. Okay. And I literally <laughs> called the show and said, look, there's this guy, and I've, I'm tired of just listening. I need to meet him. He needs to be part of Hot Talk Panel. Let's fix it up. Hot <laughs> Talk. <laughs> No, you could tell. You could see even right back there. She was starting to lose it. When she's, <laughs> <laughs> her discretion was totally out yeah. question. <laughs> so, Very good point, there's Lou. A, there's a clue right there. All right, Lou from downtown. Exactly right. All right, we're going to get to Brian Lieb here. He's going to tell you this uh, op-ed he just wrote. He's he's friendly with Trump like I am, and he just wrote a great op-ed about how Jewish people now are starting to shed the Democrat label. My friend Michelle Lubin, the Jexit group down in Florida, and they're going to vote for Trump in big numbers. We'll talk to Brian Lieb coming up next. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Like a sign that can wait for a night 
happens to be the CEO of Henry Public Relations. He's also a senior fellow at the Center for Fundamental Rights. We became friendly. You know what it was? I won't forget. I was in Puerto Rico. And uh, Siggy Flicker, my friend, the former Real Housewife of New Jersey star, now she's uh, Trump's best buddy and just the greatest patriot ever. And she's the one that uh, invited me, which I'll be going to, to Scott Lebedo's movie down in Mar-a-Lago in about two weeks. She said, my friend Brian's going to reach out to you. And I think at the time it was about um, some uh, diplomat from Hungary, it was in fact, coming into the studio. And he was great. In fact, when I went to that big uh, Young Republicans dinner at Cipriani's and sat with Trump, that gentleman spoke that night and he was terrific. I think at one point Brian Lieb even said, don't be surprised if you're speaking one of these days at one of these CPAC events in Hungary or Poland, which I would love to do. So we become uh, friendly. We talk uh, quite a bit these days. He's down in Miami, sees Trump an awful lot. And uh, here he is, my friend Brian Lieb. Brian just wrote an op-ed, which is entitled, Jewish Voters are taking a second look at Donald Trump, which makes me happy. I just don't understand why Jews continue to vote for these Democrats when, in fact, the Democrat Party is littered, littered with Jew-hating anti-Semites. Brian Lieb, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, Stan. I'm doing well, brother. How are you, my friends? I'm doing well. Nice to, nice to have you on this morning. Am, am I on speakerphone so there? Am I on speakerphone? No. Okay. Uh, tell me this. The, uh, the op-ed you wrote, Jewish voters are taking a second look at Donald Trump. Outside the obvious, Brian, which is, once again, after six presidents didn't do it, he was the one who moved the, the, um, the, uh, the headquarters to, uh, to Jerusalem, right? He moved the, the, mm-hmm. the embassy. Uh, he was the one who recognized the Golan Heights. He was the one who put the Abraham Accords together. He was the one that stopped delivering pallets of cash to the Palestinians, which ended up in the hands of Hamas. Outside of that, why all of a sudden have Jewish voters come to the realization that Donald Trump loves the Jews, unlike guys like Obama and Biden? Well, listen, first of all, thank you to Siggy for connecting us. And, and, and Siggy herself has been such a champion on this issue and, and so many other things. Uh, you know, Sid, but if we, if, we, if we want to be honest about, you know, why Jews are finally, you know, waking up and seeing, you know, what Donald Trump did for our community – you know, we can look no further, Sid, unfortunately, than the horrific massacre that happened on October 7th. I think it really opened the eyes of the Jewish community on a lot of issues. Uh, and when you look at, you know, President Trump, as you just rightly stated, you know, he's the first president to actually fulfill, you know, every single campaign promise he made. And you mentioned some of them. Uh, one that, that, that you left off is, you know, he was the first president to ever Visit the Kotel, a.k.a. the Western Wall that you were just at a couple weeks ago. He's the first sitting president to ever go there. You know, so there's just so many. There's, there's such a long list of things that President Trump has done to support the Jewish community, the pro-Israel community. And I think uh, at the end of the day, also, we've seen how far left the Democrats have gone with their support for Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and all these other uh, hooligans and then, you know, Democrat voters are starting to, to really see their party for what it is, which is very anti-Israel. So then tell me why there are still a certain percentage of Jewish people 
that continue mm-hmm. to embarrass themselves make us look bad. And I actually called a yeah. few of them out. They, they hired me at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue a couple of weeks ago. They gave me the very prestigious Guardian of Israel yeah. Award. And I pointed out to people in the audience who were still voting Democrat, you're killing us, man. You're killing us. Yeah. You're stupid. Why are they still like that? Because being Jewish is not a priority to them. Supporting Israel is not a priority. Said it's the same reason that Sunday night here in Miami Beach at an event that I went to uh, where Alan Dershowitz was speaking, that four Jewish Voices for Peace protesters had to be removed and arrested by Miami Beach police because they chanted free Gaza and free Palestine. Being a Jew is not a priority to them. Supporting Israel is not a priority yeah, but it's funny, to them. But it's funny you mentioned, you mentioned Alan Dershowitz because I'm not sure if you know this, but Alan and I are very, very, very close, very in fact, uh, his documentary came out a couple of months ago, and me and Danielle went and uh, watched it with his wife and his son, and mm-hmm. afterwards had a dinner. It was just us, the Dershowitzes and the Rosenbergs. Yet, Alan mm-hmm. Dershowitz, as pro-Israel as it gets, maybe the biggest pro-Israel guy in the world, refuses to vote for Donald Trump. Explain that to me. You know, uh, Alan's an interesting guy. We we love him for his support for Israel. Uh, but, you know, on a lot of issues, he's still very liberal, uh, which, by the way, is just so it's, it's so hypocritical for these, you know, quote unquote, Jewish voices for peace to be protesting the guy when he agrees with them on like 90 percent of their issues. I mean, you know, Sid, listen, these these people on, on the left, whether they're Jews or not Jews, they're they're really deranged in a lot of ways. Um, but the recent poll coming out of New York that I wrote this op-ed in the Daily Caller about has the Jewish community voting 53% to 44%, which is a nine-point lead, which is unprecedented. And, and, and I mean, you know, if, if President Trump can, can, can grow, you know, to, you know, 40 or 50% of the national Jewish vote, uh, that's going to be a major game changer. Uh, and hopefully it's finally a wake-up call, you know, to the Democratic Party. Uh, but, you know, listen, I, I've got to come back to this because when we talk about President Trump, he has such a strong record, Sid. You know his record when it comes to supporting the Jewish community in Israel. And it's all about promises made and promises kept. And the most recent campaign promise that he made, and I know you and I see eye to eye on this 100 percent, is he promised it that he's going to deport any non-citizens that have been taken to the streets since October 7th to support Hamas. He's promised to deport every single one of them. So I don't know how Jews can't love this guy. He's our best friend. He's the best friend we've ever had in the White House and can't wait till he's our 47th president. Agreed. Stay on hold, Brian. When uh, we get back, I want to ask you about uh, Biden in town yesterday talking about a ceasefire, maybe as early as Monday. The problem is I talked to lots of Israelis on the ground in Jerusalem. They have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> we'll talk more with Brian Lieb on Sitting Friends in the Morning right after this.
informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Brian Lee, once again, is the CEO of Henry Public Relations. He's a senior fellow at the Center for Fundamental Rights and just wrote a very good op-ed. I must say, it's very, very good. Jewish voters are taking a second look at Donald Trump. I got it from the Daily Caller. So, Brian, I want to play you two pieces of audio for you. Yesterday, Joe Biden, the president, was in New York. He uh, came here to film a Seth Meyers show. You can't make it up. He may have got some money, too, from Wall Street, but here to tape a Seth Meyers show. And he's, uh, he's having ice cream. This is true. He's eating his ice cream like, like a child with his, with Anthony Blinken and all these other retards. And, uh, they're in some uh, ice cream shop in New York and he starts talking about Israel while he's eating ice cream like it's no big deal. Here's what he had to say. At least my, my, my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. We're not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday we'll have a ceasefire. All right. So he says that, uh, the ceasefire may be coming as early as next Monday. Now, that was not from the Seth Meyers show. On the Seth Meyers show, he talked about how he spoke to the Israelis. And uh, with Ramadan coming up, Israel has agreed during this very big Muslim holiday to kind of lay off during Ramadan. But here's what's interesting, Brian. I've got a friend named Alex Treyman, and he runs a JNS.org organization in Jerusalem in Israel. That is the best. You know, Alex, great guy. That's the best source for news in Israel. And unprovoked last week, remember, Biden said last night, Ramadan, holy time, Israel, they're going to they're gonna lay back. Here's what Alex mm. Trayman told me last week, unprovoked, about the upcoming holiday of Ramadan. Specifically now, as we get towards uh, the Muslim holy month of, of Ramadan, which is going to begin on March 10th, you know, this, this holy month is, is a month that's holy for killing Jews, uh, traditionally. And we've seen it many, many oh, times that in Ramadan, the amount of terrorism uh, just goes up and up. And, and why is that? In part because, you know, Muslims go into the mosques. And if you hear what the imams are saying in the mosques, that they, they are spewing, you know, virulent anti-Semitism in, in all of these mosques. And people go out uh, motivated and, and they're also, they're fasting during the day and they get angry. And uh, this could happen. This and could happen. The other thing which it can make. So that's it. So thank you. So, so here's what we're talking about. Who are the Palestinians really? What are the Muslims feeling like, really, even on a high holiday, the month of Ramadan? He claims, Trayman, they're out to kill Jews, and yet this idiot president, Brian Lieb, is still talking about a two-state solution. He is more than an idiot. He is really, at this point, Joe Biden is complicit with everything that Hamas and Iran and everyone else is doing. I mean... How stupid is he to be talking about a ceasefire when literally 30 minutes ago, Sid, Hezbollah just launched like 50 rockets into Israel? There's not going to be a ceasefire with terrorists. Terrorists don't want a ceasefire. Terrorists want dead Jews. That's what terrorists want. And. And by the way, you, you know, you were just in Israel. I was just in Israel. We talked to a lot of people, both on the left and the right. And the left for the first time in decades, finally understands that they can't have a ceasefire. There can't be any kind of a two-state solution with terrorists. So, you know, it's it's interesting. The Israeli people seem to know what's best for them, but for some reason Joe Biden and his complicit 
administration seems to think they know best. I, you know, why is that? Is that because they're they're so concerned with making sure the the mullahs in Tehran are taken care of? They don't want to offend our our, our, our biggest adversary. I mean, these people they're just. Uh, uh, the Biden people, they're, they're, they're just on a different planet. No, you're right. I mean, it's, a, it's about appeasing Iran. It's about uh, not losing the vote in states like Michigan and Minnesota when it comes Election Day against Donald Trump. It's about everything right. but the Jewish people. And look, I sat down with Rachel Goldberg for 30 minutes. She's been on the show three times already. But I sat down with her in Jerusalem for 30 minutes. And I cried. My heart breaks for her son, Hirsch. But I'll say it again at the risk of sounding insensitive. I want Hirsch home. I want every hostage home. But if you're BB Netanyahu, if you're BB Netanyahu, you cannot make military decisions for millions and the future of this country based on 80 people. Yes, it would be great to get the hostages home and win the war at the same time. But it's becoming almost impossible because of what Hamas and the Palestinians do with these people. You got to keep your focus on the ball. We need to win the war. Got to win the war. And you know how you win the war? You crush Hamas once and for all. You put the blinders on if you're Israel. You ignore what Joe Biden has to say. You ignore what the U.N., the EU, all these other people have to say. At the end of the day, the Israeli people and their government know what needs to be done. And that is Hamas has to be eradicated from every single part of Gaza. They also probably have to turn their focus to Hezbollah as well. Listen, the Israeli people cannot continue to live Surrounded by terrorists, what happened on October 7th was a a modern-day mini-Holocaust of sorts. It cannot happen again, and the only way it's not going to happen again, Sid, is that they get rid of these terrorists once and for all. And I think all the Israeli people are pretty aligned on this issue, so they've got to do do what they have to do. And by the way, they're not just safeguarding the future of Israel, they're safeguarding the future of the free world, because they've got to get rid of every single one of these terrorist scum and send a message to the world. I was watching uh, Margaret Brennan, who I really dislike. She's the host of Face the Nation, one of those awful Sunday shows. Hers is on CBS, and she was interviewing Bibi Netanyahu on Sunday. She Ugh. was so disrespectful. I mean, horrible, what? A, I mean, right? Interview. Right? What a biatch! It was. It was disgusting. I mean, she's she's asking him questions. And he's trying to stay professional, answer the questions, and she just starts steamrolling the guy. She won't even let him answer the question. I know. At one point, he said, if you stop dropping grenades on me, I'll try to answer your question. She was so that nasty. That was a good response. Yeah, that yeah. was a good response. <laughs> well, listen, Brian, the, uh, the op-ed is terrific. It really is. Jewish voters are taking a second look at Donald Trump. You can read it today in the, uh, in the Daily Caller. Brian continues to be a great Thank friend you, and a great voice for Israel. Thank you so much, pal. Thank you so much, Sid. All the best. All the best to you, Brian Lieb, as we wrap up our number two officially of the Tuesday edition. Famed defense attorney, Arthur Idala, and the greatest mayor ever, Rudy Giuliani. Two great Italians coming up this hour, Idala and Giuliani. Keep it right here.
Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Got any blue oyster cult? No. I don't have any blue oyster cult. I ate 34 pairs last time around. Where were you? I was that close to working at 7-Eleven, you know. All right, now go on. Get out of here. You're messing up my business. Come on, Brad. Let's go get you a warmer. Legendary movie, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. This is Blue Oyster Cult, Don't Fear the Reaper. I think Curtis played this for the owl the other day. I swear to God. Mike, what are you doing? <laughs> What's wrong with the owl? I mean, enough. I'm tired, I, 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 the owl. tired of it. It's, I mean, really it's revered. What? <laughs> it's revered, obviously. Oh, I understand that. I get it. I mean, had you ever heard of this owl before? Like, yeah, never in my life. Never. Yeah, new owl. Again, I thought it was a quarterback for the Browns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Flacco. The last owl who ever lived? No. Get a new owl. Yeah, why can't they just get another owl? Oh, God, I, I, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> no, I'm actually asking this question. I mean, I like animals. I'm not for people uh, being abusive to animals. I can't stand that. It was a dog going on my whole life, but... When you take it to the next level, like Curtis and Nancy do, God bless them. They're wonderful people, but they're psychos. I mean, it's enough already. 20 cats, sit and shiver for an owl. I mean, it's just crazy. It's not normal. I told you, it's like these uh, these these people that I would see at the Boca Town Center Mall that would be walking in the uh, in the mall with these beautiful brand-new baby carriages. I had the same one for, for Ava and Gabe. And I'd look inside to say, what a cute baby. It was a dog. I'm like, what are you doing? It's a dog. Dogs don't belong in baby carriages. Just, what's wrong with you people? For those of you who are attending this service for Flacco, um, <laughs> yeah. please, in lieu of flowers, the owl <laughs> wished that you had sent a nice donation to the Audubon Society. So all of you coming on the yeah. left. When and, is that? Uh, uh, there is some type of service, too, coming up, Noam, isn't there? Yeah, the, well, there's first of this growing memorial around this tree. It's huge. People like have left notes, pictures, flowers, and yeah, then there's going to be a memorial service as well. I don't, I don't have all the details, but it's soon. Unbelievable. What, what, what is the protocol when you attend something like that? <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't know. Anyway, we've had a great show already. Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa, Brian Lieb, still to come, Rudy Giuliani, and uh, Joe Beningo. Uh, Arthur Idala is. As good a defense attorney as anybody. He's right there with Joe Tacopina. He's the man. And I know he spent a lot of days last week with uh, Gizelle. Well, I'm not even sure if that's how you say her name. I just don't care. Gizlane, I guess. Maxwell, the, the lady that did all those horrible things for Jeffrey Epstein. So here he is, my dear, dear friend. I love him dearly, Arthur Idala. Arthur, good morning. How are you, pal? So I, I got to make you guys laugh. So as all of our wives do, right, I get the complaints that I'm always on the phone, right? I'm always on the phone. I know you get it. You're, oh, you're all the time. I'm addicted. By the way, by the way, I'm an addict, but I must tell you that to be completely honest, Danielle is on the phone twice as much as me, but I'm the addict, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. So this past week, it was the kids are off, so we're down in Florida, and, and 
I promised to, you know, lay off the phone as much as possible. So I'm like sneaking little like looks at the New York Post and here and then off. I just looked down and I go, holy cow, Joe Flacco died. <laughs> we did the same thing yesterday. We thought it was Joe Flacco, I swear. But uh, the bird I mean, is ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Listen, before we talk about Ghislaine Maxwell, I got to tell you, because I, I, you're talking about Seth Meyers. Let me tell you something. I, I, here's the insight. And then you talked about Dershowitz all in like two minutes a, a minute ago. There, I, I've had two Passover Seders at Dershowitz's house, sitting across from Seth Meyers. I know his wife, his in-laws. I've been to their house. Very, 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 like, nice people, okay? Then Trump, and then, and then Alan represents Trump. They don't talk to him anymore. <laughs> Alan, spoke, yeah. Alan spoke at Seth's wedding, yeah. made the speech, yeah. made the toast, whatever you Jewish folks call it. Doesn't talk to him anymore. So, you know the wise guy I am. I go to visit Alan in the summer of 2022 and in the vineyard he and i are sitting outside the, what they call it the porch the general store in shillmark and here comes seth myers to pick up his order and again i only know him from sitting at saders with alan i'm sitting right next to alan and here comes seth and i'm not gonna let it go by hey seth what's going on arthur idola good to see you again and alan is three feet three inches away from me and seth and i have a conversation and he never acknowledges Alan wow. whatsoever wow. for one reason, not because of any of the stupid, nonsensical accusations about you know Jeffrey Epstein and, and Alan. No, because he represented Trump. Insane <laughs> in the membrane. I know. Listen, listen, Alan. For one minute, all he does I know. is if Trump's not around, I don't know. Seth Meyers' show should go off the air because all he does every segment. Is beaten up on Donald. Well, I know. Well, they all do that. I mean, they all do it. No, no, no. Not as much as Seth. Every single segment is beating up on Donald Trump. No, I get it. Look, and and Alan's in a tough spot because Alan's wife, who's lovely, lovely, she hates Trump as much as anybody hates Trump, as much as Seth Meyers hates Trump. So Alan could never, ever defend Trump again. Alan. I don't know how he gets away with coming on this show and saying nice things about, well, say nice things, at least from a legal standpoint. He certainly sympathizes with Donald Trump. But forget about Seth Meyers, his own wife. She despises Donald Trump. She hates him. And then you start to see. I was at their house on election night when Trump won. I was at Dershowitz's house, his apartment in Sutton Place. And they were, were, I'll make you laugh, in the the main, their living room, right, on this huge screen, I believe was was CNN, then in the bedroom, which we were allowed to go into, on like a a 50-inch TV, was MSNBC, and I swear to God, in the bathroom on this 13-inch TV was Fox News. That's funny. So I'm the only guy, I'm the only guy in the bathroom watching Fox (laughs) News. when, When Trump won, and I go out, all of all of Caroline Allen's wife's friends. Yeah. Like, I'm not exaggerating. They are crying, like know. you know, when she know. beat Hillary. Like tears are coming down their face. But you know, with that being said, Allen's got chutzpah, man, on another level. And let me tell you something, Ghislaine Maxwell. I went and met her. I've been we've been representing her for a while on her appeal. I went and met her, and tying this into Alan Dershowitz, what she volunteered without me. I met with her for six hours in prison. Without me saying anything, she was talking about how the, the 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 myth of the mythical nature of Jeffrey Epstein has gotten so out of control since he's dead and no one's there to correct the narrative. 
and she's basically saying so much of it is absolute BS. And she said, she goes, this whole thing about Dershowitz being with women at six different places, six different times, she goes, it's absolute, and she cursed, you know, basically BS. She's like, people just making things up, they just are not true. And um, she's like, but no one's there. No one's gonna, no one's gonna defend Jeffrey Epstein. And by the way, she made clear that Jeffrey Epstein's not a good guy. She wasn't like saying he's a sweetheart. But I mean, that ruined Alan's life. That that accusation by Virginia Jufre saying that Alan did something. And now you have Ghislaine Maxwell, who the feds tried to break Sydney. I mean, they tried to break. They treated her worse when she was presumed innocent than the guy in Russia who they just killed. <laughs> yeah. uh, the no, no, no. I'm not even, I'm not even joking, bro. Yeah. I mean, they use CIA torture tactics on her because they wanted her to break down and be like, oh yes. And Clinton was there and Al Gore was there and Al Dershowitz was huh. there. And it didn't happen because it wasn't true. But it, it I mean, those accusations by that woman, absolutely destroyed a couple of people's lives. And, and it, it said, you know, it set Alan back, you know, way back. And again, without me asking her about it, she volunteered and said, it's absolute, I almost cursed, it's absolute BS. Um, and, uh, you know, let me tell you something. Prison is it's not where anybody wants to be. You know, we have these television shows that glorify it. I have no problem telling you, Sid, Walking in there, and it's a woman's prison. I'm in Tallahassee, Florida, and I'm, you know, I know for a fact that I'm walking out, that I'm leaving. Y your stomach is still like, it's different than going to like Rikers Island or the Brooklyn House of Detention because there's a lot more action in those places because that's where people are, again, they're detainees, they're not prisoners. They're waiting to go to trial, they're waiting to have their day in court, and they're just held in on bail. And there's a lot of family members visiting them, and yeah, as they said, a lot of lawyers going in and out, social workers. This is like desolate mm. in the middle of nowhere. Mm. There's barbed wire everywhere you look. And you like walk in there and there's like, there's no one around. And like they knew, oh, they're like, oh, you're the lawyer. Yeah, you're here for Maxwell. Okay. And then, you know, they basically stop short of strip searching you, you know, take off your shoes, your belt, like everything right. on your body, basically, wow. except your T-shirt and underwear. And, you know, then you just go and there's just bars everywhere. It's just cold. And then, you know, the big, the big perk when you get to go, when you visit one of these prisoners is there's a vending machine and you're allowed to bring in singles. And you're allowed to give people, you know, things that they can't eat on the inside, like potato chips and, and a Snickers bar. You know, uh, just sometimes people have, oh, prison, what, you know, what's the big deal? Trust me, man. I, you know, I, I, I was, when you walk out of, like, when I walk out of there, you almost want to get on your hands and knees and kiss the ground. Yeah, of course. Because, of course. You know, it, it is not where you want to be. This is our famed defense attorney, Arthur Idala. That was a pretty intense story. I do want to get to one more story before we hop off here. Uh, we talked about Trump earlier during this conversation, and he's got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Yesterday, uh, his attorneys, the notice of appeal on that $454 million civil uh, penalty that was uh, laid on him by that horrible judge and the racist attorney general. Uh, that's uh, one thing. The other thing is now the other racist, the DA, Alvin Brand, he uh, he wants to put a gag order on Trump because he's worried that Trump is going to intimidate the jurors. From a legal standpoint, between James and Bragg, two stories not exactly good for Trump, but continues to show you just how corrupt these people are. Well, the the, the Bragg the gag order, um, 
it's a 300 and I think 331 page motion. Just for folks to know, like motions are usually like 20 pages. Um, I'm assuming the motion is actually 20 pages. And then there's 311 pages of uh, documentation of all of Trump's rants beating up on Judge Engeron and his law secretary and then the judge in Washington. Right, but you and, should do. You know, right, but you should so, right. so all they're saying is, that, you know, they're going to put it under the uh, umbrella of witness intimidation. And you got you can't let him talk about this because it's witness intimidation, except they're asking that Trump not say any bad about the prosecutor. He's allowed to rag on Bragg. They didn't protect Bragg in this, in this request for a gag order, but the exact prosecutor's or the staff of the DA's office, or the staff of the judge. Let me tell you something. They did this with us in the Harvey Weinstein trial. And, you know, we weren't allowed to talk about it. And, quote, unquote, neither was the prosecutor. So what happened was every day, yeah, we didn't talk about it. The prosecutor didn't talk about it. But you had um, Gloria Allred going out there and beating the hell out of us. You had Doug Wigdor going out there and beating the hell out of us. And we'd go in and judge. They went out and they just crushed us and we're not allowed to say anything. Oh, well, I'm, they're not under my control. They're not litigants in the case. So they get surrogates to do the, the DA's office gets surrogates to do their dirty work, so to speak, for them. And they'll figure out a way to, to dirty up Trump. But here's the problem. It's Manhattan. It's the same thing that, that happened with the Eugene Carroll case. It's one of the rare times where you know the jurors are against you. Sid, where do the jurors come from? The jurors come from the voting uh, rolls, right? You registered the vote. Now you're registered for jury duty. They know that Trump lost 80-something percent in Manhattan. So the, the, if you're just playing the odds, 80% of the jurors are just against this guy. Yep. Uh, they voted against him. So how does he get a fair trial in Manhattan? And it's not the kind of case where you can wave a jury and say, like, okay, well, we're going to put it in the judge's hands because there's no one, no one's going to, he can't withstand that pressure. So he's, you know, he's in a bad spot with this BS case. It's been the first, the first time they're using federal law in state court to indict somebody. The first time ever in the history of the United States of America. And this is the, this is the case you're going to bring against the president of the United States for the first time ever. It's, look, I am, and I'm going to tell you why, and he's probably going to get mad because he's your next guest. But I am no Trump fan. And the reason why I'm not a Trump fan is because of the way he treated Rudy Giuliani. And you know I represent Rudy Giuliani, so I know things that you don't know, and I know things that Rudy doesn't want me to talk about. But I'm a loyal guy, and I do not, I do not tolerate disloyalty. And to this day, Rudy Giuliani is so loyal to Donald Trump, and let's just say that favor has not been returned, and I'll leave it at that. Well, Rudy's However, coming up. Rudy's coming up next. Don't bring it up. Well, he, 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 well he's listening to it right now, Artie. He, he's, he's, he's on, on hold. Rudy's got too much. Rudy's got too much pride. But you know what? I, Rudy's Italian. I'm Sicilian. It's a little difference, okay? <laughs> and I don't tolerate disloyalty. But be that as it may, my point is Donald Trump still deserves every right that everyone in the United States of America does. And, Sid, if you're going to be honest, Ghislaine Maxwell's entitled to those rights. Not really. Harvey Weinstein's entitled no, to those no, rights. No, really. no, no, no. They are. Well, horrible they are. people. If you're going horrible. to be – so what? People. 
bad people don't deserve bad trials in the United States of America. And if you don't believe in that, leave this country. No, listen, I, 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 that, I, get, listen I, I get it. You're a lawyer, and it's important. But for no, the, no, I'm an American. I know, I'm but, for, well, but if you're, I am but, an American. Okay, but I got news for you, Artie. Everyday Americans, we don't care. We see bad people who do bad things. We don't give a yeah, rat's ass. No, by the way, they, by the way, go to no, it's, no, 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 I, I don't want to leave. Listen, these people deserve to have a fair trial, but we don't care. O.J. Simpson got a fair trial, and he walked around for 20 years playing golf because he got a quote-unquote fair trial. We knew he was guilty. If Harvey Weinstein wasn't guilty, there'd be a lot of Americans pissed off because he is guilty. So I know how it works. I understand everybody deserves a fair trial, but there are bad people that the everyday guy who's not in court with these people don't give a rat's ass about. But it, until it's them, until it's their nephew or their niece. Well, I, well their they're, they're not going to go out. And and they're, they're not, they're not going to go out and rape twenty people. No, 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 no. They no, but they get drunk and they kill someone in a car, and the DA's office in any of the five boroughs wants fifteen years in prison, and they go, "How could this happen? How could this happen? How could this happen?" Well, excuse me, you didn't mind when they railroaded this one or railroaded that one. Now that they're railroading your nephew, now you care. So that's when people start to care. When it affects them personally. That is true. It, it, it said if we lose track of the fact that from Donald Trump to the biggest scum on the planet Earth all deserve the protection of the United States Constitution, we are done as a country. And no one will back me up more than that than Alan Dershowitz or Justice Scalia or Justice Alito or Chief Justice Roberts. Once we start treating people, well, we like this guy. He or she gets all the rights. This guy's a piece of garbage in the newspaper. Let's strip him or her of all their rights. We're done. We are done as a country. Thank God I have dual citizenship. I'll get my cottage in Italy. I'll eat rice balls all day in Sicily and drink red wine and be happy. That may have been your uh, best closing statement of your whole career. No, the best one was my rebuttal in the Harvey Weinstein appeal uh, <laughs> two weeks ago. Two weeks, two we yeah, two weeks ago, I made this exact argument. Two weeks ago, as I was leaving the, the podium in the Court of Appeals, the highest state of New York, I looked at the judges. I said, this was not a trial of evidence. No. This was a trial of a man's character, and you have to reverse this horrible decision <laughs> and reinstill our trust no. in, the, in the system because bad people don't deserve bad trials. Agreed. No, I agree. in America. Listen, I agree. I agree with all of that. You know that. My wife's a defense attorney as well. I just know that uh, it's frustrating. What am I talking about? You live with it. Right. And, 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 and it's, and, you right. agree? No, of course. And I agree. I agree with you. But I'm telling you that the everyday person who's not knee-deep in this gets frustrated, even though we know it's the right way and that's the system that we've got. It's the best in the world. You get frustrated when you see a very smart person who knows better out there defending somebody who's clearly guilty. It's not easy to swallow. It's just not. But that's what makes this the best. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. That's what makes this the best. I get it. I know. I know. I know. I get it. I get it. And I love you. And you're great. I love you too, brother. And you're great. And you actually said uh, it was a great conversation. You actually said one time too, which I thought was brilliant, that um, sometimes it's not even about whether the uh, the client is innocent or guilty. It's sometimes just about what kind of way they're treated in that courtroom. And keeping the prosecutors in line, keeping the prosecutors like, I mean, this thing that with, with that the, the Manhattan case with Bragg is insane with, with how they have charged this case in a, a way that no one has ever seen before on the planet Earth. That's insane. And you know what? You want to talk about the Harvey Weinstein thing? Just so you know, the, the precedent, the, the whole courthouse said, Artie, we're, we're rooting for you. We're looking for you. The precedent they said is 
You, Sidney Rosenberg, if you get if you get indicted right now and you go to trial and you want to testify, according to People v. Weinstein, they could go back literally to your days in polyprep and ask you every bad thing you've ever done. So that before you talk about the crime that you were actually accused of, they were like, well, Sid, you were dealing with drugs. Well, Sid, you got arrested for this. Well, Sid, you were dealing with that. Well, Sid, you... And by the time you talk about the actual thing, they're like, wow, this guy is such a piece of garbage. Because in 1989, when he was in Florida, he did X, Y, and Z. That's not supposed to come no, in. I agree. The only no. time it's ever come in is against yep. Harvey Weinstein. That's why a lot of folks uh, decide to just pay people rather than sit down and actually get the pose. Because at that point, they can go back right. and you see a guy go, why did that guy pay $30 million? Why did Why did Michael Jackson pay $50 million? Because he'd rather do that than get the pose and find out that, oh, my God, he's twice as guilty as we thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, uh, yeah. Or, or, or it's not even guilty. It's just like stuff you. Yeah. Is it true you cheated on your wife? Okay, that's not a crime. But it's <laughs> yeah. not something you really want. It's not something you really want people right. to know about. Right, exactly. Audie, you're the, you're the best. Your mom and dad are listening. They're so proud of you. I love you to pieces. Great, great job this morning. We'll do it again very soon. Thank you. All right, brother. I hope to see you soon. <laughs> me too. That's uh, the great defense attorney, Audie Idala. Got a bunch of people texting me. He's right. I said he was right, you dummies. Of course he's right. All I'm saying is when you're a layperson and you're watching this stuff from home and you see these people defending people who are clearly guilty, it's hard to swallow. But, of course, it's an important job, very important job. All right, well, uh, we'll take a short break. When we get back, America's mayor coming up, Rudy Giuliani, and then Bob Costas. You know, I played this yesterday, and then a bunch of people played it on the station later in the day, including Mark Levin. Mark Levin last night played the cut. Bob Costas. Showing what a real douchebag he is. Mr. Producer, quiet. We'll break that down with Joe Beningo in the 9 o'clock hour. Tuesdays with Sid. Keep it right here. Is sit in friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. I need your arms around me. I need to feel your touch. It's going to rain like every day now the rest of the week. I know the temperature is going to be in the 60s. It actually wasn't freezing when I walked out of my house this morning. Don't forget I'm two blocks from the ocean. Lewis, you're not far from the ocean either. You're right there, too. So it wasn't freezing. I liked it. Land ho! I was waiting for the Q22 bus yesterday. Oh, my God. When was the last time you took the bus? Every day I take the bus now. I didn't know that. Oh, when you're going home from the ferry? No, 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 no. No, I take a shuttle from the ferry. Yes. And uh, the shuttle is supposed to drop you off on uh, the beach block. No, the beach before, I guess. What do you call that? Beach Boulevard. But uh, the guy that drives my bus... He's a huge fan of mine. For my WFAN days, he loves me. So he drops me off at my house. Oh. He's probably going to get in trouble. <laughs> I just said this. <laughs> I throw him five bucks every once in a while. No one gives those guys a penny, not a penny, not a dollar. Well, it's a city bus, isn't it? 
I guess. Well, you first of all, you it's, it's private though. They they go to our house. I mean, they they they're dropping no, us wait, off. Wait, is it a city bus? I or... don't. It's not a city bus. It's a shuttle. Oh, it's the shuttle. Yeah. So I give the guy oh. a couple of bucks. No, no, no. You're fine and he drops me off right in front of the house. Well, that's... and people get crazy in the summer when there's like nine thousand disgusting kids on the shuttle. Ugh. They're like, oh my god, that guy lives there. I'm like, no, I don't. No, I don't live there. Nope. I'm no. I'm no. still walking. No. Like, I, right? I know this guy. I know this guy. I'm, I'm dropping off his, uh, right. I have his tie. I, so, no. So, to get to the gym, you know, usually Danielle takes me, but she's been in Europe the last nine days. So, I catch the bus on 137 in Rockaway, one block from my house, and I take it right to 105 in Rockaway, right across the street from the gym. Oh, okay. Because I work out at Burn Fitness now. No, that's a separate trip. Okay. Sean Theron's. Yeah, separate trip. No, the, the shuttle. The Q22. Will, yeah, the shuttle will do whatever you and want. Then, Those guys are cool. I've even done this. You ready for this? No, I'm not. Hang on. Okay. Write this down. <laughs> I'm ready. Now. The last two times I went tanning in Howard Beach. You ready for this? No, I'm. Wait, another one? <laughs> yes. I take the Q22 or the okay. Q35 to 116th Street. Which, uh, congratulations to uh, Stacy Piper Amato, and even my dear friend who I happen to love, Joanne Ariola, still smells like a big ass oh, with is... a bunch of disgusting <laughs> homeless and druggies walking around that block all day long. Oh, How bad... about fixing that, guys? <laughs> a bad section. And then at 116, <laughs> in front of the last stop diner, I grabbed the Q53 bus, which takes me right to New Park Pizza. And my tanning salon is right across the street. Oh, my God. I can't see you on the bus. You're taking the bus Every up day. to Howard Beach. Every day. Wow. Howard Beach, the gym, and you know who taught me all this? My son, Gabe. Yeah, well, I can see Gabe yeah. like, knowing the whole thing. So well, I have to tell you that good, there's good a thing. lot of days where I'm standing out there on 105th waiting for the bus, and people drive by and go, hey, Sid, oh, my God, let me drive you home. I go, no, no. no. <laughs> let me drive you home. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, thank you. Thank no. you very much. No, I know where you live. I'm like, you do? Everybody knows where you live. I'm like, they do? This tan body was found off Jamaica Bay somewhere. Uh, the, the identification's coming back by tomorrow. No, it don't laugh. The last couple of, there was a guy yesterday. I mean, Kevin Preston, I know very well. He's a great guy, him and Quinn. But there was a guy named John yesterday when I got off the ferry, not by the bus. And he was shopping off his daughter, so I knew he was okay because a, a young girl got out of the car. And he's like, I live right down the block. Let me take you home. And for a second, I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to chop me up into a thousand pieces. <laughs> This is how it's going to end like this? Just, this is how, yeah. this is how Dominic Carter and Curtis Slee will get the morning show. Really? We do miss him a lot. However, evidence has shown that Sid did make a poor choice. So it turns out this guy John's a sweetheart. He lives on the same block as Maria and Joe Ferrante. Who I love you. Yeah, you're, at some point, you're going to know every home I, and who lives I basically, there. Well, they know my, my house. Do you know still, I'm almost there for two years. This is nuts. I know it's nuts. There are still people that drive by the house get out of the car and take selfies. No, they don't. Swear to God, haunt the horn. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It's <laughs> funny until one of them's a pro-Palestinian. Honk the horn. They honk the horn. To, for what? For you to come out? Yeah, to come out. <laughs> I can't tell you how many days I get home and in my mailbox there's mail from complete strangers. <laughs> You're like a cuckoo. great. Danielle's scared to death. They just put stuff in my mailbox. Written in crayon. <laughs> I love today's show. <laughs> Is Sid and friends in the morning. For my friends. 
77 WABC. on my daily bus rides as we still wait for Rudy Giuliani. Beningo next hour is going to be great, I promise you that. And how about this tomorrow, Jim Jordan. Hours before they depose Hunter Biden, we're going to have Jim Jordan live on this show. That's a huge guest. I think Anthony D'Esposito helped us with that. Here's the observation, Lewis. Whether it's a Q22, Q35, or Q53, nine times out of ten, I'm the only white person on the bus. I swear to God. Mm. Well, they'll find you easily then, I think. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That is one good thing. And then uh, sometimes I go to the gym when school's out, and there's like 9,000 kids on the oh, bus. Oh, God, forget it. That's not the time Oh, they're yelling the and screaming. And they all pile in from the back, They too. all pile in from the back, exactly. Yeah, they don't pay. They nobody just, pays. I've watched them because they'll come by the building. Yeah, nobody pays. No. Nobody pays. No. Only no. me. But the congestion pricing is going to fix all that. <laughs> yeah, right. No worry. Yeah, the let's MTA go with that. Ay, 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 what a mess. Hey, at least Mayor Adams, i got to give him some credit. He's trying to shed the sanctuary city finally and make sure that ICE can deport some of these bad guys. Oh, Captain Duh, report to the front well, desk. Hey, listen, better late than never. Okay. I know initially he was for a sanctuary city, come one, come all. Better late than never. So today I give Adams a little bit of credit. Nice job, Eric. We'll take a break. Nice. We'll be back with the fourth and final hour, including Joe Beningo, right after this. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. He is by far the most disgraceful figure in modern presidential history. He's only become more disgraceful since 2016 and since 2020. He is a bubbling cauldron of loathsome traits. You have to be in the throes of some sort of toxic delusion in a toxic cult to believe that Donald Trump has ever been in any sense emotionally, psychologically, intellectually, or ethically fit to be president of the United States. What a jerk off. Oh, my God. He thinks because he uses big words, Bob Costas, that he's any better. Bob Costas is a jerk off. I actually found somebody in sports I like less than Mike Lupica. That wasn't easy, but I found him. It was funny the way he described him, though. i got to give him that. 
pretty good, right? Some pretty good adjectives, yeah. Cauldron and the, well, you know, Pat, uh, Chris Russo actually used the word cauldron on the show uh, last week, too. In yeah. less of a, in less it, of a it, sensible kind. But he wanted no, to it was see. a completely wrong kind. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, like, that's uh, what I'm he's like, I don't know, in the cauldron of a big spot in July, yeah, right. trying yeah, yeah, to yeah. talk about uh, yeah. Carlos Mendoza. Mike, yeah, the cauldron of reality has told us. Right, that. so it must, yeah. be a, must be a big thing on the MLB network, that word cauldron. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, hey, you know, talking about uh, traitors like Costas, look who's back on CNN. Does that tell you? She's on CNN almost every morning. CNN. Who am I talking about? Nikki Haley. Trump did one town hall on CNN. What was it, about a year and a half, maybe a year ago. And it was such a disaster that Caitlin Collins, also grotesque like Margaret Brennan, you never went back. Nikki Haley's on every day. CNN. She's a Democrat. What did I say on my video that I made from my house on Sunday morning? The morning after he obliterated her in South Carolina. A vote for Nikki Haley is a vote for Joe Biden. Uh, the polls closed yet in Ohm in Michigan. It's about two hours. He's probably up by 80 points already. Is it closed yet? No, they got a ways to go still. But why? They closed the South Oh, They didn't close the polls, but they declared him a winner after one hour in South Carolina. Well, that was the one hour after the poll. Yes, no, it was like a minute point, after the right. polls closed. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, yeah, he's no. already won. It's over. Yeah, you don't want to discourage people from coming to vote, though, so they keep it open. All right. Thank you, Noam. So, uh, Joe Beningo, the WFAN legendary sports talkie, my uh, my dear, dear friend, we talk a lot. He's on this show a lot. We were actually partners back about 20 years ago at WFAN. He heard the Costas thing. We played it all day yesterday. We played it. Mark Levin played it. It was a big deal. And he uh, was furious about it. So here he is to talk about it, the great Joe Beningo. Joseph, good morning, buddy. How are you? Sydney Art, a couple things. First of all, uh, good job by Lou playing the spinners. Number two, uh, Nikki Haley, look, she's she's auditioning for a job on The View. Let's be honest. I mean, I could see her right. Can't you see her be right between Whoopi and the lovely Joy Behar right now? Yeah, she'll take over for it. She'll take over for what's that? Uh, everybody, you know, everybody always mentions Whoopi and Joy Behar, but I have to tell you. That oh, the she, I know, I know. You, uh, uh, Sonny Houston. She's, she's the worst of anybody. all. Correct. She's the worst of all. Sonny right. Houston. Yes. Yeah, 100%, 100%. She's worse than anybody. By the way, she found out that her par- her uh, relatives way back when were actually slave owners. I thought she was going to, uh, you know, vomit <laughs> yeah, right there. Yep. Anyway, be that as it may, we don't want to get into that. Uh, Nikki Haley, please. Whatever, whatever uh, you know, like, if you go back three, four months ago, okay, Nikki Haley, now forget about it. She's shot. She's done. You tell me what? Trump voter would ever vote for her. Tell me who that is. She's she's only getting forty percent because twenty percent of that forty percent is actually the Democrats voting in these Republican primaries. So please, I had to say that about Nikki Haley. Thank you, bro. You're welcome. And uh, Costas, your remarks on what he had to say. Well, let's be honest about this. The let's start with this. The sports media is probably more left leaning. Than the you know regular you know uh, uh, media. I mean, let's be honest about it. I mean, right or wrong, they are. It's a joke, especially the baseball people. I mean, forget about that. You can't get more left than those guys are. I mean, I could I could go on and on and on. Uh, you know, please give me a break. But you know, Bob Costas, he's another one of these guys, and this is going back to a lot of these writers, and not all of them. There's some great guys. You know, John Harper, John Heyman. I love these guys. Bob Clappish, tremendous. Okay. But so many of them, you know, are just off the rails to the left. There's no doubt about it. And it's unbelievable. They all think they're smarter than you. Okay. They all 
than you. They're smarter than you. Most of these guys, you know, let's be honest. Most of these guys went to the Ivy League. I know Costas went to Syracuse. He didn't go to the Ivy League. But still, I mean, that's a problem. And Costas has always come off like, oh, I'm smarter than you. Like I invented baseball. And for him to come out and say what he said about basically 80 million people, me, you, Lou, you know, anybody who's a Trump supporter, 75 to 80 million people who voted for him last time, and probably even more than that because, you know, we know about what happened in that election, okay? You're telling me that I'm – because he didn't say this in the quote you just played, but I'd heard this before. He called us mindless and spineless that the Trump supporters have the Trump – derangement syndrome really bob what a disgrace what a freaking disgrace i i you know what can i tell you and it's uh, it, this I mean, I mean it i mean it said the mainstream media is not as far left as most of the sports media is i mean look at espn can you get any more woke than they are said can you no you really can't and every once in a while you get a, a courageous person like a sage Steele who was on with me yes. about a month ago yes. and she's out of yes. there but you know, look, you, you wonder if, if it's a match made in heaven, because let's face it, uh, the overwhelming majority of African Americans are Democrats, although Donald Trump is doing a right. tremendous job yes. changing some of their minds. He really is. Yeah. You look at the NFL, it's about 85% black. You look at the NBA, it's about 85% black. And a yeah. lot of these writers and even sports talk guys who may even like Trump, may even like him, whether it's their program director, whether it's their owner, whether it's the athletes yeah. themselves, they are scared to death to say something. So I'll give you an example, okay? I like Mark Malusis a lot. I know I how Mark Malusis feels. Very tight friend with Mark, yes. Yeah, I know how Mark Malusis feels. But he sat there with Maggie Gray. You happen to like nice girl. But he right. sat there when she vomited all this vile Democrat liberal nonsense on WFAN and never said a word because he was scared to death of what may happen to him. So, yes, the majority all like Maggie Gray. But the ones that aren't, they're afraid. That's why I do what I do for a living. Yeah. Hey, look, I mean, you're, you're dead on what you're saying, uh, Sid. No, no question about it. By the way, Tim Scott's going to be the VP. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think Don's going to have a, uh, a black man. I think Byron Donalds might be better. I like Byron Donalds better. I got to tell you, but I, I, he doesn't have to meet a name, quite the name recognition yet that Tim Scott has. And Tim, and Don praises Tim Scott every, all over the place. Every time, you know, at his rallies and, you know, when he had the acceptance speech in South Carolina. You know, and I have, by the way, how about Woody Johnson and his wife standing right behind <laughs> yeah. Don? Yeah. How about I mean, I mean look, you got, you, I, I tend to agree that Scott is one of the favorites, but be careful because, like you said, Trump just won South Carolina. That's the last state he won. So Tim right. Scott is from that state. Yeah. Uh, there's nobody in Michigan who, who uh, Trump loves, but my point is the next state that he wins, if he wins a Dakota and uh, Christine Nome is there. He's going to sound the same way. So yeah. just, just well, know that Tim Let me Scott, ask you, who do you think it's going to be? I think Tim Scott's got a real good chance. Um, I think that um, Christie's got a chance. Yeah. I think yeah. Tulsi's got a chance. I think yeah. Elise yeah. has a chance. Yeah. Um, I don't I think the Sanders and Vivek. Secretary of State. I, I would make Elise Stefanik. Yeah. The Secretary of State, I think she'd be tremendous. She'd be a hell of a lot better than Anthony Blinken, I can tell you <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't disagree with that. Uh, but right now, you may be right. It may be Tim. Well, listen, he has made it very, very clear on this show with me just about a month and a half ago. By the way, he'll be back, Donald Trump, Tuesday, March the 19th at 830 
Live Donald Trump Tuesday, March 19th, coming up now, in about that, two weeks. Now, is that from Mar-a-Lago? You're going no, down there now? No, no. I'm actually going to be with Trump having lunch the week before, March 13th mm-hmm. and 14th. Then he's live on this show March 19th. So I'll be seeing a lot of Donald Trump next couple of weeks. But um, at any rate, um, we'll see. He, he has made it very, very clear that the VP never wins it for the presidency. Right. So right. he doesn't want to place too much importance on that. I do want to ask you, though, about the other winter sports. Right now, mm-hmm. the Mets and Yankees are just in spring training. Right. The NFL right. draft is still about a month away. So I took Gabriel Saturday to watch the Knicks play the Celtics. Now, that's not right. a real game to me. Knicks are missing three starters, yeah. and Boston yeah. is really good. I mean, all five of their starters, White, Holiday, Porzingis, yeah. Tatum, and Brown are great, all of them. So, By the way, how much do you, can't you stand Porzingis? This guy could not wait to get the hell out of New York. I can't stand the guy. I can't. Uh, listen, now he's playing for them. Okay, yeah. he's playing for them. That's what I call the Celtics. Uh, them. I, I was, and, and, and this guy's got this, uh, you know, what kind of eating grin on his face every minute. I can't stand him. I'm well, sorry. Well, well the Knicks got rid of him. What do you want from him? He didn't want to be here. He no, really that's not true. Get out, get out, out of here. His brother was his agent. They're talking about, ah, oh, we don't know if he want to be here. Give me a break. I don't know. Look, I, I, I know when Phil Jackson drafted him, people like you booed it and couldn't stand it. I didn't and boo it. I didn't know enough about him to boo it. Yeah, it turned out he was a damn good player, and then he got course, involved with the girl and all was, that but nonsense. He didn't want to be here. I don't know. I, I remember I was on the uh, I was on Radio Row in Atlanta. Swear to God. I was there with Bernard, the only Super Bowl we ever covered together. It was the Patriots and the Rams. Right. It was four days before the Super Bowl. And right. I stuck around after my show to say hello to the other you know, writers and uh, radio guys across the country. And the Knicks had just traded Porzingis. I ended up doing about 20 radio shows around the country that Thursday, four days before the Super Bowl, because I'm a New York guy. And I was right. like, what? They tra- fool? Dennis Smith. What? Right, right. right. <laughs> and Tim well, Hardaway. He wanted out. He did, he did Sid. You go back and look at the stuff he oh, said. Maybe. He I don't out. know. All I know is, look, the Knicks got to get healthy. Now, Can they course. beat Boston then? I yeah. don't know. But what are your thoughts? No, I look, I think if they, they look, I think they're a legitimate championship contender if they're healthy. If you got Randall there and Ananobi there and Mitchell Robinson, although Hartenstein and, and uh, Achua have played tremendous. I mean, Hartenstein made some huge plays last night as they pulled the game out of their rear end against the lousy Pistons. Uh, Quentin Grimes almost came back to kill him at the end of this game last night, if you watched it. But, um, you know, I think if they're healthy, they're, you know, they're right there with anybody. But uh, without Randall and Ananobi, there's only so far they're going to be able to go. Well, there was a uh, rumor last week that Randall had talked to a bunch of people about season-ending surgery. So right. then what? I've heard that. And Ananobi got, is getting surgery, too. I don't know. I don't think we're going to see him in a regular season I, the rest of the year. I really don't. Well, you know, the so. Knicks got to be careful because they are, they're closer to the sixth spot than the one spot right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You don't want to get, you don't want to fall into that playing tournament and get into the seventh spot. You don't want to do that either. Look, I think they got enough that they won't. I still think they're going to wind up probably the fourth seed. You know, they got a lot of guys on this team. The Villanova connection is off the charts. I mean, Brunson's one of the best players in basketball. Dante DiVincenzo. I didn't even notice until I, I heard, uh, uh, Breen talking about this last night. Only Steph Curry and Luka Doncic have made more three-pointers this year than Dante DiVincenzo. He's been tremendous. Uh, Josh Hart's a phenomenal. You know, the Villanova connection's been outstanding. They get, they're getting a lot out, out of Achua. It's amazing how good he is for a guy that was a throw-in uh, in, the, uh, in that trade. You know, it's gonna, well, eventually you'll see Bogdanovich and, and uh, Burks start to acclimate themselves a little better. So I think they'll, they'll be a solid playoff team. 
But if they're going to make a big run, they got to have Randall and Ananobi back. There's no doubt about it. So who is the, uh, the New York team that's closer, closer to winning a championship? Now, it's unfair because one of these teams is only more than halfway through and having a great year. But the closer team to winning a championship, the Yankees or the Rangers? The Rangers. I think the Rangers are. I think the Rangers have a chance. I think the Rangers are right there with anybody in hockey. I mean, they just had that 10-game winning streak end. You know, what are you going to do? I think they had a letdown in Columbus the other night. But Shostakhin is starting to play like Shostakhin again. You know, ever since the All-Star break, he's been outstanding. I mean, he's had some unbelievable games. Uh, the, the game he had against Dallas last week, the game the other night on Saturday afternoon against Philadelphia where he's stopping two-on-none breakaways. Um, he's really, really playing well. Uh, you know, and look, Panarin's having an MVP Hart Trophy type year. Uh, he already has more goals in, the, uh, in a season than he's ever had in his career. Scored his 33rd goal the other night. That line with him with Lafaniere and Trocheck has been terrific. Uh, you know, Zabanejad's starting to get it together now. He was a little slow at the beginning of the year. Kreider keeps doing his thing. Eventually, number 20 is going to be in the rafters, I think, when all is said and done. Uh, the defense is starting to, you know, play well. Truba, you know, they had some, they've had, they had some rough moments. Though. I mean, the defense has been a little sloppy in Philadelphia, even the other night in Columbus. But uh, to me, this team is for real. And you know, look, the, the problem with the National Hockey League, Sid, and you notice, know anybody gets in the playoffs can win. Anybody. We saw it last year. Boston had this historic regular season. I think they had 120 points, whatever it was, and they wind up losing in the first round of the playoffs to Florida. Yeah, but so. I'll say this. This is why maybe it wasn't uh, not so bad, because if Florida beats Boston last year, and my dear friend Vinny Viola, Florida Panthers, sucked this year, you'd say, look, anybody can win. But right at the top of the Eastern Conference, Florida. Boston, the Rangers, and Florida. So clearly that <laughs> yeah. wasn't that wasn't that was uh, no fluke. The Panthers are that good. Yeah, no, you're right about that. They, they are. They're right there. There's no doubt about it. But, look, I mean, I, I think the Rangers can win. And I wouldn't mess with this team. And how about the – I wouldn't make any trades if I'm the Rangers. And I'll tell you this, too. How about the addition of these two six foot seven guys? This Love guy, him. Matt Rempe, okay, yep. who – Love him. Before every game, you know, the goon on the other team is looking to fight him. I mean, he's not shying away from any of that. And he's been – he scored a goal the other day in Philadelphia – he was on the on the ice with Enstrom, who scored the goal. Uh, the other six seven guy in the game they lost to Columbus. So this team, I, they finally look like they have an enforcer. When's the last time the Rangers had an enforcer, Sid? When oh, uh, you got to go back, man. Ty Domi. Um, yeah, right, right. That's I don't right. even Ty know. Domi. Guys like that, Scott, uh, Joey Kosa. Joey Kosa going yeah. back, you know, to the cup years. <laughs> Nicky Vitale. Cup year, cup year, cup year. <laughs> you know, it's only going to be it's only going to be thirty years this year if they don't win it. So, I know. You know, I know. I mean, Remember, it's, getting, it's more than halfway now to the 54 the other time that they didn't win. Oh, it'll so. actually be, uh, right, 30 years, 94, that's right. So on the yeah. way out in the last 60 seconds, another yeah. amazing appearance by Beningo. He does it all, folks. Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, Tim Scott, right. Bob Costas, Snakes Rangers. Do you like the idea of Washington commander quarterback Sam Howell as a backup to Aaron Rodgers with the Jets? Uh, he's not terrible. I mean, I'd rather have uh, Jacoby Brissett. You know, I'd rather have, I love Tyrod Taylor, but the only problem with Tyrod Taylor, he gets hurt all the time. I mean, I, I can't remember a year when he actually got through the entire season, even as a backup, without getting hurt. Uh, I like Brissett better. Uh, I, you know, Ryan Tannehill wouldn't be bad. But Howell's okay. i take him. You know, he, he's a, for a backup quarterback, you can win games with him. I, I, I could live with that. So who do you want the Jets to take? Excuse me, what position do you want the Jets to take with that 10 pick in the draft? Well, I mean, look, they need offensive line. By the way, they just let go of Lake and Tomlinson. I don't know if you saw that. 
which was about an eight to ten million dollar cap hit. Yep. So they're saving that kind of money. And he's a guy that actually played every game on the offensive line the last couple of years, but yep. they got rid of him. Yep. Uh, they have to go offensive line, Sid. I mean, I think they have to. You know, Beckton to me is gone. He stinks. Get him out of here. Um, hopefully, Vera Tucker's going to be back and stay healthy. I mean, he's gotten hurt two years in a row. Maybe they shouldn't play him in Denver anymore because that's where he's got hurt. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know. I think you got to go offensive line, and I think they got to get another receiver on the, on the uh, other end of uh, Garrett Wilson, for sure. You mentioned uh, Woody Johnson standing behind him yeah. and his wife standing behind Donald Trump in South Carolina. And, of course, we know that Trump made Woody the ambassador to yeah. uh, the U.K. Uh, yeah. And Woody came out a couple of weeks ago, long after the season was over, and did not exactly give a ringing endorsement to your friend, the head coach of the Jets. Are you surprised right. to hear that? Well, I'm not. I mean, look, he's 18. Look, he, look, I love Sal. He's a great guy. As far as a person, he's been very good to me. He's a good dude, no doubt. I played golf with him. You can't get a better guy. But the bottom line is, he's 18 and 33 as head coach of this team, bro. They got to win. There's no more gray area no more. This team's got to not, you know, you don't give me nine and eight next year and, oh, we just missed the playoff nonsense. No, no, no. This team's got to win 11 games, something in that range, get in the playoffs. There's no reason they can't win this division. This, win, this division is not unwinnable. Look, I know Josh Allen's in Buffalo, but, you know, I don't know how good the Bills are. I mean, we've seen them, uh, you know, uh, crap out now uh, a couple times in the playoffs. I yeah, More than a couple. Uh, you know what? Uh, they got to win this year. And if they don't, and if it's another crummy year, and, and let me say this, too. They got to win. They got to make the playoffs, even if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt again. There's no excuses anymore. They got to, like you said, you're talking about Howell. They got to have the right backup quarterback, and they got to be a legitimate playoff team this year. Otherwise, everybody goes Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, everybody. Joe Beningo, you'll never go because you are the best. Another amazing appearance here this morning. Thank you for hopping on. I love you. We'll do it again next week, buddy. Thank you so much. Sid, you're the best. You know, I love you. God bless you. I love you, too. Big Don for me. Tell him. Tell him, Big Don. God bless him. (laughs) One of these days, I get you down there playing golf in Mar-a-Lago. I promise. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, I don't know if I'd be able to swing the club, but I... That's that would be that would be a bucket list thing. There's no doubt about we'll it. We'll do it. We'll be you and uh, my friend Andrew Giuliani and President Trump, and we'll have to pick a fourth, maybe Princessa. Uh, no, thank you, my <laughs> wife. Are you kidding me? Terry's got to play. Oh, she, Terry, she, yeah. she's, she's she's a big golfer and she loves Don. So All right. you know, forget about it. Let me try to set that up. Trump, Giuliani, and the two Beningos. I love it. There you go. All there right, Joe. Go. Thank you very much, buddy. Joe Beningo, right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. Legend, and now you know why. Well, you know why. They don't come better than Joe Beningo. Nobody. Him and Russo are the two most entertaining sports talkies in the history of the business. I'm taking a short break. I'll be right back. And informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends.
certain days and I can't figure out why I don't have a real basis or criteria to figure this out. But there are just certain days where the, who is this? OMD. Oh, I thought it was Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark. Very yeah, I good. I think I saw one of it's one of the guy's birthdays, I think. Oh, is that right? I think Paul Humphreys or something. Yeah, just interesting you went with this one instead of If You, if you leave. leave. Oh, my God, we hear that all the time. Oh, I know, I know. Well, that's when they walked into the prom and Pretty in Pink, John Cryer and Molly Ringwald. That was a song playing, you know that. I know Jill Vitale would say they wrote it for the movie. No, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. <laughs> so I don't have the uh, the criteria for it. Why I shouldn't say the criteria. I, I don't know why it is what it is, but certain days there's a um, a larger group of people that reach out to me on social media, which I do um, encourage to a certain extent. You know, I get uh, when it gets too much, I, I I just shut it down. But I do encourage people Instagram at Rosenberg Sydney. So I've made that account private now. Because after the Israel trip, I was starting to get some nasty stuff, and I'm sick of blocking people, and I don't talk back anymore. I used to, on Twitter, I stopped tweeting a long time ago, maybe two years ago, and I would fight with these lowlifes. On Instagram, I would do it occasionally, so I just stopped. So I would just block people, but that that became annoying. (laughs) All these bots, and I don't even know what the hell they are, so... You I made know. it private. Yeah, you don't know if they're real. Yeah, you don't even know. So now you have to ask to be my friend. So I always mention at Rosenberg.Sydney because that's where I'm most active, Instagram. Whatever I put on Instagram automatically goes on my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg. I don't tweet. I do truth social occasionally for my friend Trump. But it's really mostly Instagram. So now you have to send me a friend request. So let me give you a little heads up, okay? If you have a Palestinian flag, you <laughs> dumb bastards, they've done this, I swear to God. Pro-Palestine, pre-Palestine. I'm not going to accept. If you have an Israeli flag, you're in. If you have an American flag, you're almost in. Almost. All right, I'm going to throw you a, a curveball. And if man. you've got uh, uh, no picture on your avatar, That's it. you've no. got no, or or if you've got a cat or a bird or a dog, you psychos who put pictures of pets as your avatar, you've got no chance. Not even an owl, no. Not even Flacco the owl, no. no. Okay. What's the curveball you want to throw me? I uh, Now, what if somebody, and you know everybody can do this, they will send you a flag and then change it oh, when they, then, sure. you're, then and, you're out. And they can say something nasty. Yeah, they, then they can I'll just block nasty. them. Okay. Right, I'll just block them. I mean, if right. you're going to go actually go through the rigors of trying to fool me, <laughs> you're, a loser. you're a real loser, exactly. So go ahead, go for it. But oh, me. I know how I'll get on Sid's page. Watch you know. this. So right now, for example, I've got 1,400 friend requests. That's a lot for me. That's a lot. 1,400. I, I just can't go through it. I just don't care enough. So on your ride home, you're not going to go through Okay, yes. No, no, I, yes, uh, yes, no, uh, no I do. I do on the ferry for like 10 <laughs> minutes before I pass out, you know. That's what I do every day. I, you know, I, I take the train. I, I never make it through the whole train ride without passing out. That's impossible with these hours. It's only one, one stop from 51st to 42nd, but between 42nd and Wall Street, I pass out like two or three times. And then I, uh, I'm able to make it to the ferry, walk there, 
and then I pass out on the ferry at some point. That's an easy place to sleep. Yeah. The ferry. Yeah, it's comfortable, it's warm, it's good. You're going to wake up with a Palestinian flag. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the better, actually on the ferry, there's a much better chance of the gay pride flag. Oh, get That ferry is, uh, during the summer, it's a gay bar. That's all it is. It's one big gay bar. (laughs) I don't know. No comment. It's fine. God bless you. Just, you know, just, I hate this summer. Because there's too many people, and they're all odd. Not because they're gay, they're just odd. You can see them, how they line up for the You ferry. see them, they're just... Uh, yes. The hair color, the nail color, the... They've got um, these contraptions for the oh, beach just, on their head. I, 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 <laughs> weird outfits. That yeah. And here comes your, your, your regular white American Jew walking on the boat, and I feel like I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? Why is he here? Yeah, why is he here? He's ruining the whole thing, this guy. He probably likes women and Trump. No. Oh, God. Plus, I live here. Well, I always say that to these people. Because every once in a while, though, one of these people will start talking to me, you know. Because I look like the type to talk to. I'm sitting there. I'm I'm angry as can possibly be. I'm fuming. I haven't done a thing. I'm just fuming. And they're like, hey, what are you doing over here? Hey, let's poke. I'm like, uh, I live here. When this is over, you're getting on this boat and you're going home. And I live here. And by the way, you're not going to come anywhere near my house. You're on 108th. I'm 30 blocks away. If you come anywhere near my house, my mother is going to shoot you, even though she's in White Lake. <laughs> She'll come down. Got to get Naomi on one of these days. It's been a while. so We, uh, we have about another uh, two segments to go. And then Brian Kilmeade is back. And tomorrow, don't forget, Jim Jordan. That is a huge get. You folks understand that tomorrow is the day that the House Judiciary Committee is set to depose Hunter Biden. It's huge. Jim Comer and Jim Jordan, and we got Jim Jordan stopping by tomorrow, as well as our regular Wednesday guests. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Nice, Louis. Lou Rufino. So, you know, I worked at uh, three stations down in South Florida. Little Brucey for you. Rudy Giuliani, I swear to God, is calling my cell phone right now. I looked down at my cell phone. Rudy Giuliani, WABC. I don't know why he's calling me. Can you call Asian Teddy and find out what's going on? Right on time. So I worked at uh, Woody Giuliani. Here it is, folks. It's calling right now. Three, he's unbelievable. Three stations in Miami. I started at um, 790 The Ticket with Dan Levitard. I then went to 560 WQIM. Ended up at 640 Sports with Steve Lapper, which, of course, paved the way for me to come here to New York, which I've completely taken over, completely. But when I was at uh, 560 WQIM down in Miami, I used to have to make the trip from Boca Raton to Ives Dairy Road every day. And I'll be going back to those studios because I've just secured three days of Miami broadcasts so I can go to Mar-a-Lago and see our friend Donald Trump and watch that great movie that the Patriot himself, one of Sliwa's boys on Staten Island, Scott Lebedo, made, The Relentless Patriot. So I'll be at Mar-a-Lago that Wednesday night with Trump. I believe I may even be having lunch Thursday afternoon at the golf course with Trump. So I'll be back at the same studios I was at. 
<laughs> over a decade ago. Big night coming up uh, tomorrow night at the Cunning Room. My buddy Steve Maglio, not just Sinatra, puts on a tremendous show, great show. Going to hop on here for a couple of minutes. Tell us about his uh, next one. They're always sold out, and people always love them. Stephen, good morning, buddy. How are you? Sid, great to be on with you. Thank you so much for having me. Nice to have you back. Uh, I know these shows sure, are big. Me. People love these shows, not just Sinatra. And it's called Not Just Sinatra because, you know, a lot of guys do the Sinatra thing these days. Heck, one of my best friends, a star on this station, Joe Piscopo, does it. Uh, Mike Martucci does it. Others do it. But you come armed with a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. You're not just Sinatra. Tell the listeners what they can expect when they go see you at the cutting room tomorrow night. Do destroy again, no, not just Sinatra. It's a combination of Sinatra's signature songs, other things. We do Dean Martin, we do Bobby Darren, Tony Bennett, we do like a, a Billy Joel song, Barry Manilow, uh, Neil Diamond, Stevie Wonder. I even do a Beatles song, you know, not, not any of the drug stuff, but the, the, the more romantic stuff, you know. But we mix it up a little bit, sit at a table and have dinner. Like it's it's like it, as close as you're going to get to the old Copacabana. Yeah. Now we can open on the show. Yep. Peace Orchestra with a conductor, which you don't see much in nightclubs anymore. Wow. Really a great time. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, Bernie and I did uh, shows I from there. On opening night last June. No, I remember. Bernie and I did shows from there last year. And uh, last year, excuse me, years ago. Bernie passed away last year. But we did shows from the Cutting Room years ago. It's a great, great venue. It's a very intimate venue. And when you've got a 12-piece band and a guy like you with that golden voice... That makes for a wonderful evening, Steve. It's a lot of fun. It's given me a chance to do some things that I couldn't ordinarily do. Because, you know, I'm at the Carnegie Club every Saturday night, and that's a strictly Sinatra show. It's the same show every single week. And even though I love all those songs, this gives me a chance to do something different. And, and everybody that's coming is saying to be able to hear you do some, some different stuff after all these years. What fun with it. I used to... Um... Do the summer when that was my big deal at my uh, family's bar mitzvahs and weddings. And my father went from, um, he was an Armstrong guy. He went from Hello Dolly to What a Wonderful World. But I would do summer when, but then I stopped drinking. So I stopped singing. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I'm a frank guy myself. So, um, for folks that show up there tomorrow night and they walk in Steve to the cutting room on Park Avenue and they go, I'm here because I heard Steve on the show with Sid. What do they get? Get special attention. They're going to get shout out from the stage. We're going to spend time hanging out together at the bar before the show or after the show. We're going to take pictures together. Nine yards. They're going to be treated like royalty. And for folks who uh, want to go see it, uh, how do they do that? What's the easiest way to get tickets to see my good buddy Stephen Maglio at the cutting room coming up tomorrow night? It's a big show. There's StephenMaglio.com. There's a shows page there. There's a link for tickets. Romanyc.com. Oh, we have a dedicated Facebook page now called Not Just Sinatra Facebook page. Some highlight videos from some of the past shows, and there's links there to, to get tickets. Oh, that's cool. Facebook page, Not Great. Just Sinatra. That's cool. I like that. Sinatra, yeah. And uh, we'll probably be sold out by tomorrow. That's why I, when I called you, I said, let me come on today because we'll probably be sold out, and I want to make sure people that hear the show get a chance to get tickets. All right. I love it, folks. Go to the Facebook it's page, it's Not Just Sinatra, or go to Steve's page, Stephen Maglio, that's M-A-G-L-I-O dot com. Get your tickets. Big, big show. They're always great. People love them. Trust me, folks. A lot of my buddies go every time. Not just Sinatra at the Cutting Room coming up tomorrow night. Stevie, best of luck to you, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. 
Uh, there he is, Steve Maglio. Big show coming up tomorrow night. The Cutting Room. Check it out on Facebook at Not Just Sinatra. We'll take a short break. We'll come back and wrap things up with a huge Wednesday ahead of us. Sitting friends in the morning. Keep it right here. With an earshot, save the boss shot, turn up the band. And she was blinded by the light. Oh, cut loose like a deuce, another runner in the night. Blinded by the light. She got down, but she never got tight, but she'll make it. All right. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Shows about to come your way tomorrow. Peter King, Rich Lowry, Jim Jordan, Thursday, O'Reilly, Giuliani, a host of others. And we're getting very close to Trump territory on this show, which makes me very, very excited between the week of the 12th at Mar-a-Lago and Trump coming on here. The following week, you're going to get yourself a lot of Donald Trump, which makes most of you very happy. Some of you not happy, but you still listen. Kind of like what Wendy Williams said years ago when I was on her show, which I'll always appreciate. A lot of folks uh, enjoyed this hour today and the show today because there were less guests, I was told. They kind of like it when we go back and forth. That that, definitely is true. Yeah. What do you mean it's definitely true? That's just an opinion, no? Is it? No, it's it's okay. the truth. Right. Right. Well, but, you know, sometimes we got eight guests, <laughs> I know. one after another, well, one after the, another. Ellie does die. that. I don't have nothing to do uh, with that. What the? What? Wow. <laughs> 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 wow. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, I, work, I work tirelessly to get you the people that you want. Well, who's on the show tomorrow? Uh, well, Jim Jordan, I got for you. So Jordan you're, you're is welcome. He, you didn't get him for me, Anthony D'Esposito. No, he did not. I don't know where you're getting that idea. I, I asked him. Anthony two days ago. Yeah, and Anthony didn't do anything. No, he did. He went to Jim and he sent me back a text yesterday and said, "Jim is going to text your producer. He's checking his schedule." Yeah, I texted. So you didn't do dig. I texted. Jim's people, they responded to me. Right, through me to Anthony uh, Desposito. Maybe there was some sort of coincidence, but... <laughs> All right, take the credit. God, I can't, I can't even argue with you. It's like, yeah. talk, it's like talking to... A, uh, to Sending to... emails for days, calling people. Come All on. Right. Please. Where's uh, Bill Bradley? I don't have him yet. Maybe you can ask Anthony D'Esposito. <laughs> nice. See what a dick he is? Who else is on tomorrow? <laughs> Who else tomorrow? Uh, Sliwa. No. Uh, good get. Or, was, uh, how yeah, did you do that? <laughs> wow. That's a hard one. Wow. Oh, wait. He's in the next Rich studio. Lowry will do tomorrow. <laughs> Who? Rich Lowry will do tomorrow. Peter King? Peter King will do tomorrow. Right. 
Janine Pirro. <laughs> oh, and, and P- wow, what a show tomorrow. Well, you should thank Anthony Desposito. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and Rudy's on Thursday now, right? Yeah, Rudy at yeah, 9.15. So Rudy called you at 9.40 and said, I'm late? Yeah. He was like, how late was he at that point? An hour. An hour. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't matter, Mr. Mayor. You're right, well, right then I told, but then I told him we're right back. He said, "Mr. Mayor, he's, he uh, thought he, I thought I was going to put him right on." Uh, I was like, "We're out of time. <laughs> I'm late. We're out of time." <laughs> Sorry, Rudy. It was oh. cute. It was cute. Yeah. Was cute. Uh, nice job by the Lou. You know, we started today's show with the Manfred Mann version of "Blinded by the Light," and the song before this one, Lewis actually played the Springsteen version, and Springsteen wrote it. And originally recorded it. So we have both Springsteen and Manfred Mann doing Blinded by the Light. We better enjoy him while we still can. Right, because he's about to be banned like Eric Clapton and Roger Waters. As soon as they see a Palestinian flag. That's all. You you better be pro-Israel or anti-Palestinian. If you say nothing, you got a chance to stay on the show. you got a chance. But if you say anything pro-Palestinian or anti-Israel, you're out. Again, evidenced by Waters... And uh, Eric Clapton, and who knows? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss it. Let's, <laughs> let's hit the road. <laughs> well, Lou Rapino for Justin Ellick for Noam Laden for all you folks out there listening. Thank you so much. We we'll back at Wednesday at six. Peace. Got your spell on me, baby. Yes, you got your spell on me, baby. Turning my heart into stone. I need you so bad.